0: hello guys and girls and welcome to episode 123 of the f reality podcast this is a weekly vr ar and mr talk show live streamed every saturday on youtube facebook and on twitch and this is all made possible by using restream.io you can also catch the show live in vr using big screen tv The show goes live at 7pm in Europe, 6pm in the UK and 12 midday in Central US. And you can also check out the audio version which is available on iTunes, SoundCloud and on Spotify. If you have any questions, comments or feedback during the show, please put them in the chat. We'll try to answer as many questions as we can. And of course now it's time for me to introduce you to the team. First up, this guy's idea of a romantic date night involves two Oculus quests and a virtual trip to the Arizona desert to take on the undead, is VR streamer, the one and only, Zimtok5. How you doing, man? You alright?
1: Hey, Mike. Yeah, good week, I think, this one. Now we're just nestling into 2020. Actually, I think um, CES certainly jumped uh, jumped us, jump-started the kind of whole thing and um, loads of new tech dropping, so very keen for this episode. Um, but yeah, we got a chance to play um, VR date night at my house, getting two quests streaming concurrently. Between two different rooms, um, had a bit of an audio desync, but other than that, we got it working, and now I've made a beautiful little template for it. I'm very excited for our next run, and so that feels actually really awesome to be able to, like, stare at somebody through VR and, like, play Left 4 Dead-style games. And then, uh, and 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 just um be able to share that in that same kind of immediacy. Like, there was one point where my wife was zombie horde was coming at us, and I'm like, Get up the staircase, you're gonna die, you're backing into a corner. And then she backed into the corner, and we saw like the horde go at her, and I throw a gentlemanly grenade down to blow away some zombies. Oh, it was great. So, that's it what it's like all about. epic date
2: <laughs> night, and it's a
1: unique format. Like, I've never seen people, I've never seen anyone else do that before
0: on stream yeah. with two quests. So, you uh, you're pioneering that. you're setting the standard there. So, uh, nice job, nice job. Uh, Next, this week, this guy's been training with Mr. Miyagi to become the next VR Karate Kid. It's our Belgian brother from another mother.
2: It's the Rowdy Guy. How you doing, dude? Hey Mike, yeah, I'm I'm doing all right. I'm a, I'm a little bit sore, a little bit stiff, stiff everywhere. You know, being a gamer for so long, it's it's kind of hard when you like go all physical all of a sudden. So yeah, I broke my back a couple of times. But besides that, I'm not working anymore anyway, so uh, it's it's not that big of a deal. That's true. How how much longer <laughs> have you got left until you go back to work? uh normally i think my contract starts in april if wow. everything goes according to plan but i mean i'm very busy now with the application so it's uh I, i'm spending my time uh well enough <laughs> good to hear it <laughs> good to hear
0: it next up it's tv presenter king of gadgets and tech is the former host of the gadget show and our very very special guest this week everyone in the chat say hello it's jason bradbury welcome to the show mate
3: thank you so much i'm flattered to have been invited especially in the week when the bbc have told us that vr sucks Um, i know right what was that i'm I'm referring to those of you aren't familiar with what i'm talking about there was an article i think it was yesterday yeah uh, i caught it online in my news feed and and was well I, i would say i was surprised but i wasn't surprised because it actually you know the bbc is a mixed bag it's sometimes spectacularly you know inspirational and other times it's it's really kind of middle class and narrow-minded. And this was an instance of the latter. Yeah. Um, and they were talking about the fact that because the BBC have pulled out of some <clears> of their <throat> VR ventures, which doesn't really upset me too much anyway, and that they are kind of sounding the death knell um, for VR as a whole, which was yeah. extraordinary. This article was so cynical. And it was, yeah. it, it was interesting. It was like, um, it was just literally the diametric opposite of how I think most of us feel right now, especially mm-hmm. with CES just having finished and, and that incredible month or eight weeks up to christmas when yeah. oculus just suddenly just just for free just e- evolved like you know three stages um, yeah. Yeah. and and so much else was announced and so many titles have been dropping for all the different vr platforms and and it just feels completely out of sync so i'm really happy to be here to to actually fly the flag for vr and kind of put the balance <laughs> right because it you know i think it needs to be said
0: Awesome. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, as you know, uh, Nathie is away in China uh, this week and next week, visiting loads of VR companies out there, and we'll be back to tell us all about it on the 25th of January. So make sure you're subscribed and stay tuned for that. If you don't know who I am, last but by no means least, uh, myself, Mike, the host of the show from Virtual Reality Oasis. We've got an epic show for you today, and some of the highlights include Tesla suit are making some fancy haptic feedback gloves, which is going to be really exciting to talk about the official oculus link cable is now finally available in the uk and europe zim's going to give you the lowdown on the latest releases to look forward to next week again if there is any i'm not sure Uh, it's always a surprise so looking forward to that (laughs) and then finally we'll be talking about some of the vr products uh, that have been on the show floor at ces 2020 in las vegas this week but of course first up let's find out where everyone's been playing this week and the highlight of the week and first up is Zim top five
1: uh, Mike, 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 what have I been playing? I've played a whole ton of stuff, but uh, my highlight of the week is, you know, you keep me to one and lock me up, um, would be Time Stall, which is a game that Nathie had originally talked about on the podcast a while back, available on Quest. Um, I don't know, is, is PCVR as well, I think. You can play it on Rift, but Time Stall on Quest. Uh, firstly, it looks great. The comedy's beautiful. You're basically on this fledgling, Kickstartered. Starship uh, with a bunch of robots, <laughs> and and it's 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 got about the same kind of comedic backing that you would expect it to. But the the whole kind of time control mechanic of the game is you get this kind of time slowdown, and you have a, a short amount of time to save your very fragile captain uh, from immediate death. And to give an example, <laughs> there's a bunch of robots hanging around uh, packing up some goodies. And all of a sudden, uh, there's like a, a solar pulse turns them all evil or whatever. And the captain's running away. And he like he's already fallen apart. Um, and one of them is uncorking a bottle of champagne. Time goes, and you can grab that bottle and use it as like a bottle rocket to knock away some parcels that are flying through the air, going to otherwise crush your, your poor little captain. So... Um, it's a game that I like immediately within the first 10 minutes was like, right, this is a buy. This is definitely a buy. It was just like, I'm smitten with it. Can't wait to play more. The puzzles are really well designed. And that kind of mechanic along with the coupling story. uh, It's just gorgeous. Have any of you guys played it? I've played a
0: little bit of it um, after Nathie talked about it. And like you say, it's got this like unique mechanic where time just completely stands still and you get to re-control the scene and, yeah. and avoid sort of a catastrophe from playing out, which is a lot of fun. Uh, but I didn't play any further than the first level, but I think I will go back to it. But have you played any further than that? And does it sort of keep, keep going on that sort yeah, of trajectory? Yeah, so
1: I went past the... F- I think I went through three or four levels, um, but the, the number one thing that stood out to me, and I know we're in, still in Boneworks era, was the pizza physics. They got the pizza <laughs> physics right. You can, there's literally a hole in the wall, like a 3D printer type thing, and you phone up like you would in the 90s and ask for a pizza or whatever. And then the pizza comes sliding out the chute, hits you in the face, drops on the ground. You pick it up. It's got two-hand control. You're, like, playing with the pizza. Perfect pizza physics. So if that's what you're looking for in a game, amazing. that's that's, that's a piece but for you.
2: It sounds a little bit like that other, like, time control game. I forgot the, the name of it, but you're, you're like, a, an agent. And you're being sent to, like, it's, I think you're, like, an insurance agent, actually. You need to prevent your clients from dying. Um, it's oh, it's yeah. been a release like yeah. like a year ago, or like even longer now, one and a half year maybe. Yeah, I um, know, I know which one I you're talking the, about. The title. Probably the chat can can help me out on that one. It, uh,
0: it's kind of got those like Roblox looking characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, exactly. Something incorporated. I think it's called something t- yeah, time incorporated. Maybe? I, I really don't remember the name, yeah. but it has the same like time mechanics in there as yeah. well. I really enjoyed that one. So Time Store would definitely get two thumbs up from you then, Zim. Absolutely. Recommend.
1: There were at least like five people in chat who were like, yeah, I'm buying this now, right? Let's see the gameplay. And it's like, it's just one of those games that's it's an obvious one to buy.
0: Nice. Solid yeah. recommendation then. What about you then, Rowdy? What have you been up to this week?
2: Yeah, like uh, the, the game that I played indeed. Turn me into Karate Kid for a moment, um, and <laughs> it's, it's called Path of the Warrior. I think I highlighted it a couple of weeks ago, uh, very briefly. It came out on Quest, but it's also available on the on the uh, Oculus Rift S. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's this like retro styled like you know like punch them up kind of game. Um, in, in a very uh, cool setting, I think. I, I think the, the story is not that important. Uh, I really didn't care for that as, at all. But the face mechanics are really well done when you punch characters. And I think that just made the game like 10 times more fun for me. Because when you punch someone, you can literally see their face go all the way like like smashed in between. And you, you can use your feet, which is hilarious. I've, yeah. I've, I haven't seen a game <laughs> yet that does it so well and so funny as that game as as, as yeah exactly it, like just like flies into the screen and you can do like a flying kick as well and your character like spins around it's it's a lot of fun um I do think the price is a bit sharp on it I think it's like twenty twenty mm-hmm. dollars I don't because I read online it's about two and a half hours of gameplay I, I don't know if it's worth the full twenty dollars but if you're in for some for, for, you know just some solid fun then I can definitely sure. recommend that one. Yeah, this yeah. is
0: one of Jason's uh, sort of uh, fun titles as well. I, I saw an Instagram post recently where you were comparing it to Streets of Rage, which is clearly where it's kind of got yeah. its, its idea from. Yeah. Um, and you've been enjoying it as well, right?
3: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, in fact, if I move my camera, you can probably see. It's oh, you've got a cabinet. Right yeah. There. yeah. Yeah. Nice. And um, although it's a, high, it's a hybrid cabinet, so it's got loads and loads of games on it, and I can choose whatever I want and a kind of generic, uh, you know button and stick combo. But um, I, I was trying to find the games that it reminded me of, you know, so the obvious mm-hmm. one that I think you've seen a lot of reviews is Streets of Rage. Mm-hmm. Um, I obviously wanted a, a natively arcade-oriented uh, game. So um, ended up Double Dragon actually. And I, I did a little, a, a little video on Instagram, which is what Mike's referring to, but I played, I had to play <laughs> the arcade machine for hours because I, I could just couldn't get the baseball bat in, in Double Dragon. And I wanted to cut from Double Dragon in the arcade game to the baseball bat in uh, Path of the Warrior. And I eventually did it. But for some reason, I couldn't get it. I kept getting beaten up by this (laughs) woman with a whip. It was really bizarre. But no, what I like is, I like, I mean, I I like to think about the metaverse. And I've got this sort of, uh, I'm impatient for the point at which, in a kind of Ready Player, Player One context, we move seamlessly between different styles of gameplay experience and and. And I think I would dwell in the 80s, being a child of the 80s. um, I would dwell in a kind of (laughs) 8-bit beat-em-up platform environment. Mm. Um, And so what I loved about about it is what Rowdy was talking about was that kind of really accurate portrayal of Mm. that classic Mm. beat-em-up side-scrolling perspective Mm. switched around in your face. And and with the same... And what's funny is that the leg thing, right? it's a different mechanic, obviously, to the arcade games that it's based on, but it has the same sense of humour, doesn't it? And, And that, so stylistically on many levels, from the music to the fonts, even though it's a very different experience than a than a very basic rudimentary game from nineteen eighty two whatever, it, it, it actually feels really similar in its own yeah. way. So it's evolved into into VR. And I, I think mm. it really does help the mental kind of version of VR. It, make, it 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 ticks a box for me. Okay, so I've done that now, I've played an arcade game. All right, good. So what's next? World of Warcraft. What's where's that gonna be? And where are yeah. all the other experiences <laughs> that I've had, you exactly. know, to be to be found in, in VR?
0: Brilliant. Yeah. It's one of those great games that gives you a a real healthy dose of nostalgia, a bit like Pixel Ripped uh, 1989. And if you haven't played that, Jason, you should definitely put it on Uh, your list. uh, Um, It's on my list. It's there. It will take you right back (laughs) to the days of gaming as a kid. And in the latest one, one. one. which they're developing right now, there's even a scene where you have to play a Castlevania type game on your console. But you have to you're being told to go to bed by your mum. So, when she leaves the room, you turn your console back on, you play. And then when you hear her coming back down the corridor, you have to turn it off quickly. Oh, genius.
3: It, it, no, no, no.
1: It, 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 is, it is absolute it is great. ode. You have to play uh, yeah. this That's amazing. Yeah. Definitely. Oh,
3: I'm there. Well, I'll, and if it's, you it's tough. Back, as well. I'll, talk, I'll have done it then. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, well, I mean, I, well, all games are tough to me, though, because I. I in fact, I was going to do a YouTube channel called I Suck at Video Games because <laughs> I'm i infeasibly bad. But I. But yeah, it sounds
1: great. Yeah, fact, it's, talk- not that, it's not that hard. I, so, I was able. So.
3: Talking of, of which, I, um, uh, I I actually, I know this is, this is like VR 101 for, for most people, but I only just played Pavlov this week, and that, mm. that was good because I was so keen to get into the action. <laughs> right. obviously, obviously, I clicked multiplayer straight away, like day one. Didn't do any of the training. <laughs> and, and then I've got this like weapon with this massive magazine and like, you know, <laughs> rounds that you feed into a breech oh, no. thing. I, I was like, what? And, and, and so that was fun. But wow, my God. I mean, yeah. get out of town. I can see why everyone's raving about it. I'm in mean, yeah. love.
0: Yeah, and, and Rowdy, you know, Rowdy's like the biggest fan of Pavlov out uh, of all of us.
3: He was probably the so one shooting me in the head every time I was trying to <laughs> feed those bullets in. But no, that mechanic,
1: like, like... Noop, I, noop. I, I was I was definitely there before myself. Where, when you've got like the heavy machine gun and you're trying to figure yeah. out how to feed the rounds and just reload oh. the goddamn thing. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it's
3: so simple just as an idea to, to have, say, 25, 30 different weapons be they weapons or whatever you want in whatever game you want mm. and each one has a slightly different mechanic and that's yeah, not that's normally exactly, the case is
2: it that's exactly what the hot dogs horseshoes and hand grenades does with yeah. all of their weapons in there they do each i mean they, make, yeah. what, what they do with their weapons is it's it's unbelievable it's better than real like you know like it's yeah. it's so amazing how much stuff that they put in there that uh if you're into guns just yeah. a, trying them out and testing them and, like, uh, getting a feel of them, then hot dogs, horseshoes, and hand grenades is probably the best one out there. Yeah, yeah. cool.
0: Yeah, and plus, like, Pavlov Shack is now available on Quest, right? So you can download oh, yeah. it for free using uh, SideQuest, or actually, I think it's got its own installer now. Um, it's both actually, mm-hmm.
1: Mike, so it just, just landed right. on Quest, or you can just side load it directly. It's very yeah. easy. Actually, I I found the direct side load easier than... Yeah than the side quest method because you have to, you can customize your name. I'll go into that a little bit later on releases, um, ah, but cool there right. are some amazing modes in Pavlov that you may not have tried yet, Jason, including some that involve zombies. So yes, we'll I know I've,
3: I've spent, uh, I did this, I did that thing again that I haven't done. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm guessing I'm a lot older than you guys and I've got three kids and, and uh, I'm not going to pretend that I work for a living cause obviously I don't, but I, uh, <laughs> I don't do a proper job. Um, but I, I, I was gaming until like three in the morning. It's yeah. just, it, it was like being on Counter-Strike, however long ago I was doing that. Exactly. Like, exactly. Know, I was just completely 15, lost in that world. Years ago. Yeah.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Um, so this week uh, I've been playing a lot of Boneworks. Um, I've been testing out VRSS, which I'm going to be talking uh, in a lot more depth later on in the show when we talk about CES, because it was announced during CES. Um, But to be testing uh, VRSS, I've been playing a lot of Boneworks because it's one of the few games that actually supports VRSS right now. And even going back to it to do a lot of my testing, I sort of still stand by what I originally said on the show, that the story for me is just like, you know, rubbish. Uh, (laughs) It 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 takes complete second fiddle to the mechanics of the game and the weapon handling and everything else, which I do think is really, really cool and a lot of fun. And I think a lot of developers can definitely take a lot of aspects of what they've achieved in Boneworks and incorporate it in their own games. But that's kind of why I was sad that they didn't open it up to the modding community so they could make their own story-driven content. But it is what it is. But... um. What I thought I'd do is, because uh, I was playing a lot in the sandbox mode, and instead of talking through Boneworks again, I thought I'd just give you a little guide on how to unlock sandbox mode if you're enjoying uh, Boneworks yourself. So Zim's going to play a little video now, and I can quickly sort of talk you through the quick guide. It's not really complicated, but... It, you, I, I did
2: that too. You did uh, it, you did uh, it. But, but the, uh, there's one thing to note, though. The things that are in sandbox mode... Are yep. only the things that you unlock throughout the game. Exactly that. Exactly yeah, that. That was yeah. my great frustration. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so if you, if you don't wanna, if you don't want any spoilers and you want to kind of figure out this yourself, which I don't think you probably would, um, then go ahead and just mute the stream for like a few minutes. But it, it won't but take very long. It's very much
2: in the beginning of the game. Like it's actually before the story really starts. Yeah. That exactly this, that you need to do. Exactly, this. so
0: there's no spoilers yeah. really. Yeah. Um, no. So yeah, if Zim, we, you want to go ahead and play the video. So, um, like you said, you know, you can now just play around in the sandbox mode. Super easy to unlock, um, and this is how you do it. Basically, um, if you. If you're already in the middle of the game you don't need to worry, it's not going to um, affect your save. You can go back to previous levels and you need to choose the chapter at the beginning called the break room and this is where you choose to throw everything into either the incinerator which is red or the archive which is blue. And basically you can ignore the instructions that the game gives you and just throw everything into the blue archive box uh, on your left. So once you've done that. Uh, everything's uh, in the left box, you just pull the lever to exit the room and that's the first bit over and done with. You then just proceed through the rest of the level as normal, which is the museum, uh, until you're past the bit where you have to place a red heavy block onto a red switch to open a door and then you just follow the corridor round to see a cup of coffee on the wall with a tentacle coming out of it and that's how you know you're in the right area. So, once you round that corner, right in the very far left of that corner is a secret door. And all you need to do is just simply push that door open, and then you're in a little secret room. And then in the corner of that secret room is a Boneworks wooden box in the corner, uh, which contains the sandbox mode plugin. Just smash the box open, pick up the plugin, chop it into your uh, inventory. And then all you simply need to do for the rest of this level is carry it throughout the rest of the level until you get to the reclamation bin at the end and throw it inside. And this is exactly what Rowdy was talking about. So the blue glowing uh, bin is called the reclamation bin and you can throw other objects in there as well and they'll be ported over to the sandbox mode. And then it's just a case of completing the rest of the level and then go back to the main menu area, open up the game uh, Boneworks uh a box and slot in the sandbox plugin into the system to activate it, and then you can just play sandbox mode, have tons of fun uh, spawning as many weapons or as enemies, uh, the null men as you like, and just have a blast throwing them around using physics guns and all the weaponry that you've unlocked in the game. So that is just a very quick little guide on how you can unlock sandbox mode in Boneworks and have a lot of fun with it. So there we go. I hope that was helpful. We haven't really done any, any little little guides like that before, so it's kind of like a new concept. That was like for a nineties
3: TV show about computer <laughs> games, where where <laughs> there would be a convoluted kind of sequence where the yeah. presenter would explain. <laughs> <laughs> well <What are they? laughs> exactly how you get like multi you know infinite lives on mario or something exactly do you know what i feel and, like i feel like and, the and games I really master... liked it. that wasn't a criticism that was, yeah. a, that was a there was a nostalgia there mike yeah in the i feel
0: i feel like the games master that's what i feel like you know it, it was like hey talking of which can i show you something yeah of course no that's mad that
3: you said that just give me two seconds sure go yeah on. go for it yeah <laughs> yeah
1: that was a good intro mike actually yeah, i can't wow. believe how difficult that is oh Oh, that I is a Games Master Just award. Give me two seconds. Hang on. So, is that your wives? So, um, have you
3: identified it? So, this my... Games
0: Master Golden Joystick. Yeah,
3: it is. Oh, How nice. cool is that? Isn't that, that is an cool. amazing? So, obviously, if you're not from the UK, yeah, um, then uh, this, of course, was the uh, well, I, I would imagine the most sought after award in all of gaming, wasn't it? At one Prestigious. Point. Yeah, absolutely. With a really cool show, which celebrated, didn't it? Celebrate an anniversary this week or last week i'm sure it did it's been a There's while lots of people talking about it on, uh, on Twitter. Yeah. i actually worked on that show mike as a as a researcher
0: wow uh, yeah
3: as a young young recruit into television at the very yeah. very start of my career um but that's not how i got that that's actually that was um uh, given to me lent to me he's never asked for it back um <laughs> by a school a school friend of mine who actually turned out to be a pop star uh, and in a band called utah saints I don't know if you know those bands that band yeah. guys and uh <laughs> oh, they're cool as hell and um and then they went on the band they went on to games master and actually yeah. won i forget the game they were playing um and uh, i went around to his studio and he and he had it then he went i went oh man you, you can borrow it if you like so Did i was have- like uh, have an answer back, yeah. <laughs> but that's Amazing. a that's a, a random tangential thing. Amazing! What, an what awesome. is? Here is a question. So I know that you are the um, master of ceremonies here, but that does pose an interesting question, mm. you, which is: what What would be, do you think, the VR equivalent of the game's master golden joystick?
0: God, there isn't what one right be? now. No, there's, there's maybe we need to create one. That is very true. That is very it's, true.
3: There the is the
1: reality a, golden joystick.
3: Yeah. <laughs> maybe it is. Maybe we should ask the. Um, the chat uh, the, the chat gang yeah yeah see yeah. what they say yeah can, absolutely can we
2: can we borrow that golden joystick then <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing yeah i mean <laughs> just don't
0: tell him that i said yeah <laughs> no, absolutely yeah we should do that we we i think we have talked about setting up an, like an award ceremony for vr games before but we've never mm. made any physical awards to send out which we should definitely try and do to up our game next year absolutely yeah. great great idea in but, fact yeah. you have
3: to put your helmet on to to receive the
0: virtual award <laughs> oh it's a virtual award it's not even a physical one it's a virtual yeah, no, no. oh i see okay yeah, cut and cast my cut and yeah. cast. great idea great idea but what an awesome way like it's funny that we mentioned games master and you have that award yeah it's there. bonkers isn't it That's yeah it. funny so let's get into the news then this week uh a few bits of news to discuss and the first bit of news is that the official oculus link cable is now finally available in the uk and europe Uh, It released in the U.S. about three weeks ago and now is available for us across the pond too, which we're super happy about because we were a bit gutted when it first released in the U.S. that, of course, you know, UK and Europe, as always, get left behind a little bit. Uh, But we finally got it. However, it is uh, pricey. It's £89 here in the U.K., um with free delivery though so you you do get that but it equates to 117 us dollars which uh, is quite uh, a bit more expensive than the official us price um definitely the most expensive cable i've ever bought have you ever bought a hundred pound cable before jason being a, into your tech stuff oh yep. yeah that, yep. that is probably
3: i mean it, hdmi
1: it, early right
3: uh, well i was i was gonna say in audio i mean in, in you know the old uh i bought cables yeah. for speakers that are silly money um, yeah but um but no, but I think £89 is a lot of money. I mean, I I I very, I often move in the opposite direction to a lot of consumers because I'm normally more amazed how inexpensive consumer technology is mm-hmm. uh, than I am how expensive it is. And I think sometimes people are a bit unfair on social media because if they're not in the business of making a, an actual product and they don't understand, you know, say the costs around uh, health and safety or... R and D and so on and so forth, and how you've got to make all of that part of the final price.
0: Absolutely, um, yeah.
3: but I do think, nevertheless, that uh, although I'm aware that it's optical fiber and all the rest of it, yeah, but it's, exactly. it, it is—it's a very expensive addition, isn't it? Yeah, um,
0: yeah, especially when you consider the price of the quest is only four hundred pounds mm-hmm. so or four hundred dollars. But uh,
2: we we talked about this a, a couple of episodes ago that you know th- there's a reason why this cable is so expensive, mm-hmm. and if you would buy. Probably like the same cable from a different brand. It might even be more expensive, just because it's optical fiber. Yeah, and Um, I I do see a lot of people. Especially, yeah, I I think that is indeed the reason why it is so expensive, Mm. because it's an optical fiber cable. I think the most expensive cable I ever bought was a was also an audio cable. was two hundred fifty euros for like a multi block. Holy crap! (laughs) Wow. Network
1: cables used to be pretty pricey as well. If you're trying to do the length of your house or something, although recently. I I cabled my whole house in Cat five or Cat six, and it was like thirty quid for two hundred meters of cable. I was like, that is so cheap compared to what I used to have to pay for that stuff. Yeah. So, but you, yeah, you I think
3: like, you'd you think as well that optical cable actually had gone down the same exponential curve in in that it you know is half the price and yeah double the efficiency every 18 months or whatever so so which is what's happening with cat 5 and cat 6 and you know supercomputers and self-driving cars and so 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 (laughs) it is interesting that um you know what would that cable have been In, like, 1995, it it would have probably been £2,000 or something. Of course, of course.
0: And and like Rowdy rightly said, you know, I don't think Oculus are making any money on this cable because of, like you say, the research and development involved in making it, making sure it's got the bandwidth and everything else. And also something you've got to consider is that although a lot of people are comparing it to, like, the Anchor cable right now, you've got to remember that Oculus Link is still in beta and they could improve uh, the throughput, You know, in the future we've seen Oculus Mm -hmm. pushing out some really excellent updates just recently. And if they continue to push forward with Link, then you might find that they do an update that can push the uh, the the throughput to make it look even better on Quest, but you have to use the official cable to achieve that. So you know, that that's all I would say is be wary of the
2: reason why it is more expensive? Yeah. This, uh, when you compare it to the US price, of course, because you need to add VAT. Yeah, of course. To it. Yeah, so but you know, you to be honest, problem. though. Um,
0: it was mainly people in the US that were shocked about that, and I think they're always shocked about that when we tell them that you know whatever they pay in the US, we pay in in, in the UK in pounds. Yeah. It's the, it's the same. Although obviously when you do the, the sort of um, the conversion. you know conversion, mm-hmm. it's never the same. It's, it's obviously a, we pay yeah. a lot more over the odds. But we've been doing that for years in tech, so there's no surprise mm-hmm. there from us.
1: Yeah. Um, but but I still any, find it funny though that. people people look at like an official product like that and and they still kind of throw it under the bus to an extent they're like I can get a cable off Amazon for a quarter of the price it's like the same you're not getting the same thing we had loads of people in November December try cables out try and fail try and fail yes. the Amazon returns process for instance must have been <laughs> choked on cables <laughs> i bet cuz they got sold out for a little while yeah. and and just remember that when you're considering you know buy once or buy four times. You know, which one do you want to go down the route of? Yeah, it's a really
2: good point. I, I do think that if if you wait a couple of weeks or maybe a month, that other cables will start appearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certified cables, like the same. The that same will probably spec. be certified or like yeah. be yeah. tested by the manufacturer. Did anyone so, else I mean, order one wanted, by the way?
1: No, I didn't. No. I have no use for it myself. So you keen on getting uh, one, Jason?
3: Yeah. yeah, I went on last night and um so what I did was I went and check t- see basically I always try and get stuff through Amazon Prime mm-hmm. because I don't have to enter any details. I just swipe and then it arrives effectively the next day. And if that doesn't happen, which happens once in a while with certain products, then it kind of puts a bit of a spanner in the flow. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened last night. And so I went on to, you know, the Oculus website and I was like looking at having to put my address in and stuff. I was like, oh God. <laughs> so that was it. That was it. It was I was, oh, then that was it. And yeah. I was watching Messiah on Netflix. So, you know, <laughs> that's, uh, that, that didn't happen But I think I will Only because I kind of I just want For the sort of Gadget fetishistic desire uh, To have an optical Cable yeah. I just no, like actually, I like it
0: Does it feel all flex-? Is it a little Stiffer or is it I haven't actually Opened it yet um, it, Why don't you here, Unbox it live on Path yeah. well, I, 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 I like, <laughs> Come, come on like. mate. I can have life a little on, Look I can have, We can have a little Peek um, Oh you opened it <laughs> There we go That's what uh, look, That's what it looks like
2: Oh, it's a cable. Yeah. It has got a little flip in there, though, which we
0: talked about. And, it, and it, I will say it is thin. It is thin and light, so I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to testing this out. And I will be can comparing you try, it, of course. Can you try like twisting yeah. and bending <laughs> it? Like, bending, like, really with really, all your
1: force? <laughs> yeah, just try and do a 90 yeah.
0: degree bend with that and see uh, see if it if it lasts.
3: You could get on an om- omnidirectional treadmill and just sprint, and then yeah. turn it off, or, or do something that you that is considered extreme in VR terms. Do do one of those it. like
0: like a comparison would be like the iPhone drop test videos. Just do something similar just, to that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah just <laughs> put it on and run. <laughs> I would yeah. love to see you publish a video the uh, the new link cable drop test. Drop you're just test. there dropping the dropping cable on your desk by nope, yeah. no, still working.
0: But um, yeah, of course, I'm, I'm planning to compare it to like the anchor cable, which is the Oculus yeah. recommended third party cable right now, um, to see if it is worth the price. But I would just put that caveat out there that you never know they might be doing something for specifically for this cable when it no, it's when, really when it comes out of beta. Yeah,
3: and just from the, the point of view of the length of the anchor cable. Um, it's just one meter too short for my setup. And I'm sure yeah, exactly. a lot of people found that. And I end up having, it, especially in Pavlov, you know, when I'm sort of like <laughs> <laughs> darting yeah. down to prone position and then spinning round. Um, I did find myself kind of covered in, 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 well, just sort of drawn towards the desk. <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: yeah. Lassoed by my own cable. And, and I would like that extra length that the uh, official cable affords.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's right. Because the anchor cable,
3: it, I think, is meters. Uh, yeah.
2: In the chat, they're asking, Mike, uh, Paolo Triana, can you check if it's really fiber? Try opening it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just get your money scissors money out. out. You know, Come on. on. Cut session. it open. Yeah.
3: I did Mike that with a cable already done once. a cable cut yeah. before. <laughs> it didn't go but so well for him. Isn't that the mark of... Of um, you know a two hundred thousand subscriber YouTube account, Mike, because yeah, yeah. It, it, as those as those <laughs> numbers increase, the things that you smash up become ever more expensive. That's until true. you get to the Lamb, until you you do, you do the Lamborghini. Thing, yeah, <laughs> when just, you're at the million.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's it. So maybe I should destroy this just for the sake. Of yeah, news. I think yeah. you.
3: I think you have the followers to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I'll take all your feedback on board. Thank you very much for that. Um, <laughs> So that is the Oculus uh, Quest official link cable now available here in the UK and Europe, 89 British pounds, and you can order it right now and it should be with you in a a matter of days. So that is that. Next bit of news this week is about Tesla suit. Now, you might remember this as we've talked about Tesla suit on the podcast before and Nathie even got to try it out a while back uh, and talked all about it on one episode of the show. If you're not familiar with it, Tesla suit are basically, they're a company that are pioneering like full body suits that incorporate haptic feedback in the form of electrical pulses which are directly uh, onto your skin which is pretty crazy stuff and, and the cool thing is like obviously right now we've got like sub packs and we've got B-Haptics vest with their uh, haptic vest but this, boy, is boy. A, this is a complete suit um, so you can just imagine and you know you might be able to get that uh, microfiber haptic feedback crotch inlay from Ready Player One <laughs> 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 uh, at <laughs> some One point Pro-fiber. in the future for this suit but you, you never know <laughs> um, but alongside uh, the uh, the electrical pulses and the feedback you get it can also be used for motion capture and monitoring biometric data, such as your heart rate and ECG and that sort of stuff, which is is mind-blowing, really, the tech that's uh, involved in this suit, and I'd, I'd love to try one myself. Um, but obviously, they're pushing the boundaries even further with not just a suit, but now they're making these gloves, and you can buy these gloves in combination with a suit or as a standalone product uh, of its own. And uh, just like the suit, These sort of gloves offer haptics, uh, motion capture, biometrics and force feedback. Um, And it features these individual sensors for each finger. So you can feel uh, virtual textures on, on your individual fingertips. And I just think that just blows my mind Being able to sort of like have that tactile sensation in a VR game. Like, can you think of any games or experiences where you'd love to have that sensation? And let's try and keep our minds out of the gutter a little bit. I was gonna say,
1: immediately satin, satin, satin. Um. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But like, you know, if you can imagine being in like Fallout or whatever and, you know, everything's a bit rusty and a bit like Mm. jaggy and you can imagine sort of feeling those kind of rough edges, that would be really, really cool.
2: The first thing that came to mind for me was like the scene from Gladiator where, you know, like he, he, he puts his hand through the field and it feels like the grass against his yeah. fingers. Oh, Something wow. like that yeah, would be awesome. Image. I like
0: that. Yeah, yeah,
3: well, Half-Life, you know, with with the, the like the, if, if the, um, like what is the gravity gun, if that's my memory serves me correctly, yeah, yeah. What, um, what does it feel like? What? How heavy is it? Is it cold? And when that object hits you, you know, what what's the um, the tactile impact? Mm. It is an interesting one, or maybe some kind of surgeon simulator where you can feel the, the beating heart or the liquid of, of, oh, of the body. You be feel gross. the flesh like. Yeah. 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 That's a, uh- yeah. yeah. Flesh. Yeah.
1: Honestly, I think it would be, uh, again, having, actually, I don't know if anyone else has, but I've been a guy who's, I've touched dead people. Um, so, <laughs> what I mean is that I put used to of context in of that. Yeah, mortuary science. I used <laughs> yeah. to load bodies and stuff. Um, <laughs> wow. But like, into being a serial a zombie, podcast again. Be like a zombie shooter game, because aside from just gripping weapons and feeling them in your hands, ah, yeah, um, actually yeah. being able to interact with, again, you know, if it was body parts or if it was something trying to attack you, Pushing back on a mushy kind of corpse, right? Yeah, That's and breaking through would, the rib cage. Yeah, Is yeah, it, yeah we, that would just it? make you feel so like eh, oh, right? awful, you're like crunching yeah. in. Yeah, and you're right. You can do
0: that in uh, The Walking Dead: Saints and Sinners. You know, grab them by the head and like knife them. So if you felt the head and it's like this cold, like mushy thing, you're right. You say it would be a really, really cool sensation. Um, but as you see on the gloves, uh, they've got this kind of unique exoskeleton on the back
2: of the gloves, which restricts yeah, it your fingers' movement. It looks like the movement. thing that, like. Zim like described a while back. It's like the thing that's gonna like malfunction one time and go like. (laughs) This is
0: funny you say that because this is what I wrote down. They look totally awesome, although I know what Zim is thinking. These gloves might go wrong and break all his fingers, like a scene out of a Saw movie.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly it. I've said it three uh, podcasts, I'm sure, but um, it's like I see it with this, and there's another device. I'll comment because we're gonna talk about it a little bit later but I always see the, the health hazards first with these things. it's yeah. like, who's going to be the consumer who gets unlucky and gets the software bug that breaks all their fingers. Like I'll take model two, please. Uh, but it's so cool. Yeah. I love the look of the glove. Yeah. You know, they're, I'm into all probably, my tactile stuff. They probably but,
2: can't incline any further than like the now, maximum yeah. stretch of your fingers. Yeah. Right? But some yeah. of the, who some of the prototypes
1: <laughs> that we used to see on show floor is that like, CBS oh yeah. and stuff could. And that's the, yeah. that's the thing. It's like, you know, to have someone like Palmer lucky go and do that. Remember he, he almost got burned, I think with one of the heat units, mm-hmm. um, yeah so it's like that like to put yourself into kind of a a prototype you know just for the buzz of it like great but you're putting your neck on the line a little bit there have you ever tried
0: any dangerous prototypes jason i'm sure you've you've been
3: are you kidding me
1: (laughs) was there ever
0: was there ever a
3: working day when i was doing the gadget show when i didn't try a dangerous prototype i mean I, i mean the uh everything from putting jet engines on a skateboard and going out <laughs> under miles an hour and crashing yeah. and then uh, jumping out of airplanes and trying prototype um, gyrocopter, flying a gyrocopter around uh, in Germany. Um, and also um, the, I remember once we had, we, oh yeah, we got a bunch of remote control helicopters. I think about eight of them and we made a, a big sort of mesh uh, construction with a chair in the middle, and I sat in the oh, middle.
1: Jesus Christ!
3: And then we had a controller guy who who tried to raise the platform. Oh my God! So, so <laughs> putting aside issues of my own safety, at one point the the, the 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 wobble got so much that one of the rotor blades flew off, and we we had film of it flying over the head of the makeup lady who was in the field oh where we God. were filming, and the whole shoot was cancelled, and there was a big big problem that was a big kind of investigation by health and safety and everything yeah. i probably oh, shouldn't say all this, but, well, no. well i mean i suppose <laughs> great the truth great we, yeah. well we did the right thing we stopped the shoot but but yeah and, and i had a, a suit made of of rollerblades and i like the one from yes man if you've ever seen right through to the end of the movie yes man to the credits mm. there's a bunch of crazy experiences that he effectively said yes to and one yeah. of, one of which was a suit covered in rollerblades and i've gone headfirst down a mountain on that Oh my God. Uh, I mean, honestly, I could go on and on and on, Mike. So, I saw Jason,
1: I saw you in one. It was on the uh, year with your family around around the world. Yeah. Where you were in some kind of um, watercraft. And I've seen things like, you know, pseudo dolphins with like a a perspex coating on the outside going and stuff. Anything in the water? Because for me, the water is one thing that you just don't want to feck with. I mean, anything in the water that was dangerous that you missed? Yeah.
3: I got, I, I remember I was with my co presenter Otis. We went to somewhere in Europe where it's a really cool. Um, urban based diving tank, got a really cool name, like sub 58 or something like that. And um, we had these uh, underwater jets, you know, like ducted fans connected to our arms and legs. And they were proper prototype devices. And they were like, it was like, like a bodybuilder grabbing you and wrenching your arm. And it, and you had to sort of hold your arm in the right position. Otherwise you just went smashed into the wall. It was really tricky. Uh, and quite hard to actually get a, a meaningful review out of because they were just kind of overpowered. All oh, whilst underwater. Oh, nice. Is <laughs> yeah, again, all sounds... oh, whilst
0: underwater as well. Oh, the
3: water pad jetpack. Frankie Zapata, the guy that famously about, I think this year, the year just gone, actually went across the channel.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, he ma- he made his name by uh, grabbing the um, exhaust from a um, jet ski and then funneling it down a big hose pipe and chucking out of some jet nozzles. And I tested that in Marseille in the Harbor. And I remember being about 20 feet in the air and then just, just going straight backwards and just slamming flat on on my back onto the water. And you know, that's one of those things that doesn't look painful, but is really painful. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I was effectively a stuntman on that show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, we, we, we salute you for your hard work. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, going back to these gloves, so this exoskeleton on the back of your hand, they kind of restrict your finger's movement. So like you can imagine picking up an object, and because of uh, the exoskeleton restricting your finger movement, it feels like you're wow. holding a tactile object in your hand.
2: That's the thing that I think is still the coolest. Yeah. like the, the, Getting the feedback of that. Like yeah. if they can program that into a game, like every object, every physical object will have a certain set. Like- yeah,
0: exactly. And guns would feel great. Everything would feel great. And this is the kind of question I want to put out to you guys is do you think these kind of devices, these kind of gloves will ever replace traditional VR controllers, you know, buttons and, and thumbsticks that we've become so so useful, uh, used to and, the, and that we love now, of course?
1: Yeah. It feels, it feels well, quite likely, actually, um, that that would come. The only issue with the physical form factor that I see is having that bulk at the back of your hand. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like what we have today with the physical controllers is that sometimes they, you end up clashing them or, you know. So um, that's the only thing. If they're able to do it through some kind of... Oh, I don't know, reinforcement, steel membrane, carbon fiber, something to be able to do it more in a glove pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I think this would eventually manifest in the consumer market.
2: Mm-hmm. The, the problem I still foresee is like a lot of games are VR and non-VR are made with thumbsticks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really see a way of like getting rid of the thumbsticks yet, uh, like locomotion treadmills. I don't know if they will, have, they will be ready at the same time with those gloves that will be ready. So yeah, I, yeah, I mean, The, I think the, the treadmill,
3: still... thing, the best solution I tried, I don't know if you've ever talked about it on the podcast before, mm-hmm. was surprisingly a long time ago. It was one of the first expos that Wired put together. It was in Chicago and it must have been 15 years ago. And if you can imagine, I think it was four paving slabs that were made out of metal, but were like little robots. And mm-hmm. I walked... Forward onto say you know slab number one, and then the the, uh, with my foot still on slab number two, and then three and four scooted around the side of me, so I was able to walk forward and and but effectively not move in space.
2: Yeah, that sounds really cool. Uh,
3: Yeah, and I and I really thought that was an it was a future perfect concept. It was an incredible. Mm -hmm moment yeah, although i've not because seen with, anything since then
2: with those spans they will probably be able to like you know adjust for inclination as well as long as you know they, yeah, they, they move could, fast yeah. enough so. but
3: so the point the wider point i'm making is that this i agree with you that motion has to get resolved mm-hmm. in a meaningful way um it feels to me that that that, that, that sort of omnidirectional motion device is more difficult than actually the suits that you're talking about. Yeah. Hot, hot and cold, which I know that you've sampled, mm. Mike, and, um, and gloves. I mean, I, I, they feel like simpler, more sort of, sort of ergonomic problems to solve than, than that classic one of how do I walk in my front room? You know, yeah, how do absolutely. I run across the fields absolutely. You know, without smashing yeah. into the sofa?
0: Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. It is a, it's a tricky problem, and I don't think anyone's really cracked it yet uh, or really come close but i think with this um these gloves i think developers would have to reimagine a whole new way of interfacing with like menu systems and 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 other things because we rely so heavily on like laser pointers right now or navigating menus with thumbsticks mm-hmm. and button presses so i think that would have to be completely redesigned as well but i do uh, welcome that in the future i think you know if they strip all that ui back and it is more like real life and you 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 you, you behave and act in a natural way, then I think it'll be really, really cool. Um, but yeah, I, I knew
1: straight away that Zim was going to mention about breaking his fingers with this thing. You yeah, have a little predictable with that stuff, yeah. but I mean, who doesn't want the holodeck? It's coming. Yeah, yeah. It's just time. There's it's no question; time. it's
3: coming. I think if it's you if you actually you know being quite quite serious about it, if you look at it as an exponential problem, and 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 you and you you know we, we look back in, into what, you know, where we've come from, and, and bearing in mind that I'm coming from Virtual Boy, here, you know well we're all coming from virtual boy but meaning i used it when it was within a year or two of its release and it is absolutely ex- extraordinary isn't it where we've got to absolutely I mean, yeah yeah and, and it and it also if you if you plot the curve then it'll look like an even curve but if you actually zoom in at the macro level it's a series of of wobbly lines because you find this that nothing happens in the first part of uh, 2019 and then suddenly you have these enormous jumps forward with, say, the quest mm. in the last six months. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. And so we might find that there is a proprietary material that comes along. Um, a lot of this is down to material science. And, you know, one of the things about AI that excites me is is new materials that will come from, mm. not from human minds, but mm. from, exactly. you know, uh, other sources. and And really efficient, super lightweight, semiconductor materials that we haven't even dreamt of yet. And that's where you 'll start to wear a a, a shirt thin fabric that that is able to mm. have you know conduct sort of thermal energy and 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 all the rest of it which is kind of where all of this psychology the tomfoolery of, of light and heat and warmth and all the rest of it comes from isn't
0: it yeah and I remember I remember people telling that graphene was going to be the big thing you know but that seems to have quietened down a lot since i heard the hype around that originally uh that was going to be this like wonder material that's very conductive also great for filtering water and stuff like that but um haven't really seen much of it since so i don't know if it's very hard to produce i I didn't really know that much about harvesting
3: of it is particularly tricky i I understand
0: right but yeah that that is a super lightweight semiconductor yeah that's bang on yeah yeah Elon Musk will solve it, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, next bit of news this week is from HTC. As they've announced that they're permanently lowering the price of the entire HTC Vive Pro lineup. So now, if you're interested, you can buy a Vive Pro headset uh, on its own, so no controllers, no base stations, uh, for 599 US dollars. Same price in pounds as well. Um, So they've dropped... uh, a lot of their range by about $100, $200 in some, some cases. Um, for a bundle, uh, for example, that includes the Vive Pro headset, the Vive Ones, and 1.0 base stations, that's 899 uh, US dollars now. Again, same in pounds. And if you want the 2.0 base stations, the price is still an eye-watering 1199 US dollars. Again, it's for it's a much. Much. same price in pounds. Yeah, yeah no. And this is the thing, right? We've talked about uh the Cosmos recently on the show. The Cosmos sadly just it you know, it didn't perform very well. The tracking out of the box was bad. Um and and I think now it's got to the point where the headset I would I would say is probably almost dead. Like even even companies like uh even even channels like Tested Now, who recently tried it with their Half-Life Alex, even said during their video You know, we'd recommend all the headsets, bar the Cosmos. And I think we've all unanimously said that the Cosmos is a bad headset and we wouldn't recommend it to anyone. And I think this is probably Vive's hope to try and redeem it and bring some of the consumer base back to them uh, with dropping the price of, of the Vive Pro. But... It is a real shame, but at the I same
2: think. time, I've seen reports of that the original Vive is not available anymore. The original Vive, yeah, like you say, in some regions,
0: um, it's no longer available. So the Vive Pro is probably their only remaining only option. viable headset that probably people oh. would recommend. But the problem, again, even though this headset has reduced its price, um, you can still buy an index uh, cheaper than the Vive Pro, and... So this is the sort of price of the index. The, the index is uh, 499 in US dollars. So that's $100 cheaper buying the headset alone, of course, than buying the Vive mm-hmm. Pro. And I would argue that, you know, the index has slightly better specs because it's got a slightly wider field of view. Same resolution. Um, better refresh rate. Better audio, better refresh rate, better controllers. Better yeah. yeah.
1: No, the, the, the trouble with the Vive Pro for me is it's a wobble fest because mm. of that funny kind of arced... Band for the headset it just doesn't sit well in action games you know if you're sitting there not moving very much it's fine and it's a good resolution panel and it's got the benefit of having the ear cups for the audio it never did meet you know the cv1 in terms of audio uh clarity but of course then <laughs> we had oculus with the rift s take a step backwards um, and they then released the vibe Cosmos. so it's kind of been going all over the place kind of like what jason was saying earlier this is one of those wiggle spots on the curve. Yeah. Um, which is which is funny because, you know, the leaders who came out the gates the strongest in the current, you know, consumer version headset race uh now are kind of losing some losing some momentum. Um like you said, Quest what it did in the last 9 months, incredible. Yeah. Um, for what it's been able to it's a, sh- it's a shame, isn't
3: it? Become. Because I I I have a huge affection uh my vive and i i I, in fact it's hanging just up there and i i leave it there even though i've I've used i'm i I don't know if this is really bad to admit but i've used nothing but the quests for the last what four four months but you know vive blew my mind uh i I was actually at a big live event where they were showcasing it and and, you know no one had really seen it and so so htc were there and they put it on my i was going to demo it on stage and they put it on my head and it was, um, is it tilt brush? Where yep. you create yep. the 3D structures using painting brushes and so on. And it, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't believe what I was looking at. I just, I suddenly realized, oh my God, they've, they've done it. And that was from, uh, I, I'd even had uh, certainly the first generation of uh, the Kickstarter funded um, Oculus, mm-hmm. yeah. which mm-hmm. was great, but it, but it still felt like what it was, this kind of uh, beginning uh yeah. mm-hmm. You know, yeah. kind of uh, platform, and but but Vive was polished at that point, mm-hmm. so it is extraordinary how how
0: they've lost so much ground. Yeah, because like you say, um, you know, when certainly even when the the original CV1 launched, because um, the original Rift didn't ship with sensors. Um, I mean, uh, uh, controllers. motion controllers. Sorry, uh, originally exactly. the touch controllers. Yeah. It just shipped with an Xbox controller and a single sensor, so your tracking yeah. volume was limited, and and the Vive. Was really the gold standard in terms of VR tracking yeah. uh, back yeah. then. It was, it was um, but a like full you say, VR it is a center. real shame. Yeah, a real shame to see them lose the ground. But I think you know, I, got, I get a feeling with, the, with with the original Vive, it was a collaboration with Valve as well. Like Valve were heavily involved in the original yeah. Vive, and obviously since then, Valve have taken it upon themselves to make their own product, which has kind of blown Vive out the water a little bit. And then with Oculus, with the Quest, you've kind of got those two markets. Um, sorted with really good products that are yeah. cheaper than what HDC are offering. It's like so the story of a price. boy band, isn't yeah. it? it
3: is. It's like when Robbie Williams left, take that. Yeah. Or you know, it's when the writer leaves the uh, the pop star and the pop star carries on, and you can't quite work out why their lyrics suck, and then you realise that <laughs> you realise that that person you never even knew was in the background no longer works with them. But, exactly. Yeah, it is for, for sure. But I, I wonder whether the Snapdragon—you'll know the name of it better than me—but that Snapdragon chip that was announced, that um, the XR two. Yeah, mm. I just wonder if you know because I think we'd know if if. Facebook had got some exclusivity on it, and they haven't. I know they've talked around that topic this week, haven't they?
0: I think it would but, be really hard for them to do that to get exclusivity on that chip. And it would so I wonder cost whether ACC, my point, yeah, yeah, whether they
3: could come back with that sort of. I really a, hope so. Game changer. I
0: really hope so. Like that's what I really hope that they do. They 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 look at what they've done. They say, okay, we know what where we've gone wrong here. And they address it and they come back with a better product. And I think a standalone product would be super smart from them. And maybe you know take what they've made with the, the Vive Focus, which is their standalone headset, and then push that even further to a, a, a headset that's capable of being tethered to a PC as well with inside-out tracking, which we, you know, we've come to know and love from Rift S and Windows MR, and, and bring another headset to market. Because it would mm-hmm. be a, a real shame to see them just die a slow death and, and not make another headset. We-
2: we have a protube vr in the chat making a making a valid point that the the first generation vive uh was made with a lot of support from valve Mm -hmm. as well which might also be the reason why because you know valve went on to do their own headsets that's why vive is kind of like you know Wobbling around now a little bit and struggling to actually define themselves in the market.
0: Yeah, and, and Nathy is always like a, you know, a bit of a defender that says, you know, well, what's going on in the Asian market? And I'm sure he'll be able to, to give us all the lowdown on that once, he, once he's back from China in a couple exactly. of weeks' time. So it'll be interesting to see what he thinks and what their perception of, his, uh, of HTC right now and the yeah. position that they're in. So, yeah, very interesting indeed. Um, next bit of news, final bit of news, is uh, from Sony. With some some milestones for us for the PlayStation VR, which is unusual because we don't really get figures and stats very often. So it's nice when we do finally get them. Um, but Sony announced during CES this week uh, alongside the new logo for the PS Five. Uh, did, <laughs> did, did you guys see this? <laughs> do you see the the new
1: logo? Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. The, uh, the uh, uh, what were we gonna? I mean, what were we expected? I suppose. I suppose yeah. they were gonna do something, but but it, it
0: almost felt like a great unveiling of of just something we just all thought well yeah that's the natural it's another number <laughs> it, it, you know <laughs> yeah crazy but this is the number five yeah it's after the number four alongside that obviously they had some great news about uh, playstation vr and they announced that they had sold over five million units worldwide since its launch uh, in late 2016 uh, which means it's probably oh. the number one selling headset behind the google cardboard because obviously you can't compete with the numbers <laughs> of google cardboard um you know, consumer headsets. So I, I think it's super, super impressive what they've managed to achieve. And one thing you know that we've always praised uh, Sony for on the podcast is their their marketing is like absolutely on point. Um, you know, even even here in the in the UK and in Europe, we see adverts for P- PSVR. You know, when you go to the cinema, you see PSVR adverts, whereas you don't see see Oculus adverts here, whereas you do in the US. Um, so their marketing is more across the board worldwide. Um, but they've also got some amazing titles that you can't play anywhere else. So um, Astro Bot, Firewall, Blood and Truth as well. Like Blood and Truth. Resident Evil. Yeah, Yeah, Resident Evil. Like we all thought that was going <sighs> to come to PC, but it didn't. And I had to cave and actually play it on PSVR, which I'm happy <laughs> I did in the end. Um, but Blood and Truth, you know, is, is an amazing title. And it actually was my VR game of the year last year. And that's really high praise for the fact that Sony can really continue to push out these amazingly polished titles on this headset that is getting Uh a bit old in the tooth now. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what happens later on this year when the PS5 does launch. And we discussed this on a previous episode of the show, whether they'll launch a PSVR 2 alongside the console or they'll wait a little
2: bit and then launch it. Um, but I still think that, you know, the thing that Sony does right is that they really maximize the technology they have at hand. Yeah. Uh, I think there's still so much more possible with, for example, the Oculus Rift or the HC Vive or the Nokia controllers or whatever that it's not really being really maximized in like the PC gaming market. Mm-hmm. But if you see how fairly limited the PSVR is in terms of its technology compared to mm-hmm. the other headsets, the games they are so optimized on that headset and for those controllers, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. That um, yeah. yeah.
0: Are you a fan of the PSVR,
2: Jason?
3: Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I am. I mean, I I was very fortunate actually because, and I'm guessing based on what you just said, it would have been 2016. Mm. Um, they they the gadget show did a feature on it, and it was all hush hush. It was brand new, and that they, they actually did it in my front room. Wow. So I had these guys from Sony roll up with this brand new thing called the PSVR. And I remember sitting on my sofa and lying back and doing that kind of uh, street losing demo, which was really, really good. And I did own it for a while, but then I, as you know, I went around the world. So I I sold my house in London, went off for a year and really needed to get rid of loads of stuff. Uh, And actually I'm sad to say that that was one of the things that the the PS4 that I got rid of, but I'm, I'm ready to, uh, to reinvest if, if they deliver uh, either at launch of PS5 or, as you say, maybe uh, afterwards Yeah. Uh, in whatever they do next. Because it, it, it could be really interesting because they, they always innovate. And, yeah. I mean, who would have thought those Move controllers would have that second life? It was wow.
0: extraordinary. It was incredible how they brought them back. Absolutely.
3: brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant piece of... Uh, of design and engineering and kind of marketing all rolled into one it was really clever
0: absolutely and it was probably referred to as project morpheus back then in in those days yes uh, you know you're so right that's
3: what it was called
0: yeah yeah, yeah absolutely um but yeah i'd love to we, we talked about this on the show previously as well but we, we i'd love to see uh, playstation make a, a standalone headset like the quest that can be connected to like a playstation 5 or a playstation 4 and used as well, a, not 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 an electric car you mean Well, they're making an electric car, you're right. You would have thought, you know, that, well, they can make
3: an electric car, they can make a PSVR
2: too. Yeah, that would be very handy if you could, like, put the PSVR headset on while you're driving the car. Yeah.
3: Yeah. No, my point is that I was so, uh, that was amazing to me. And I mean, I love the idea of having a Sony car, but. But uh, you know, it, it does feel to me like, look no, guys, you've got work to do elsewhere. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's all right. Well done. What are you doing? Luke? Could you just do the PSVR two, please? What I want from a Sony car is that when you start it up, you get that 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 PlayStation One like twinkly music at the beginning. You know, when you start it up, <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah,
3: it's not beyond beyond uh, uh, being realised because uh, mm. you know Tesla gamify the whole experience, they did. don't they? They
1: did, yeah. Bless. I find that scary. I, I mean, I've, I've sat in, in a Tesla just outside my place and played equivalently Mario Kart in the car. And it's like, <laughs> this is just not, This is there's something wrong about this. One of these days a wire's going to cross and I'm going to be driving my Tesla right into a tree. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like it just, especially when you're using the real steering wheel to drive yeah. the the virtual <laughs> cart around. It, it seems wrong.
0: I remember so wrong. I remember going to Gamescom. It um, wasn't last year, it was the year before that. And Nathan David uh, hired a Tesla Model X, so the the, the real high end one that had like ludicrous mode. And um, when they met me, they they made it dance on the the roof car park of of, of Gamescom because uh, you can make you can make the car dance. It does like flaps its little wings and flashes yeah. the lights and stuff, plays music. Uh, and then we took it out for a spin, and oh my god, it, it's eerie though how quiet it is, uh, yeah, and how insanely speed. fast it is. You know, yeah. amazing technology.
1: Yeah. But yeah. yeah. It, it, it it feels like a it feels like a maglev train it, it does like yeah, it's just a bullet you know it's a little electric bullet that's but right. i
3: think if we're being serious i think if i i you know i just i looked briefly at the news feed about the sony car although i am actually quite interested i'll return to that but i but if they are making this thing and i'm sure people will tell us in the chat that that, that they are um I'm sure it'll have some form of PlayStation branding and it'll have screens in the back where if you've got your Sony account, you can continue your gameplay experience. There's no question amazing. about that.
0: Yeah. PlayStation PlayStation edition of the Sony car. That's yeah. What, that's yeah. what gamers would buy. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah,
2: And if, if Sony is listening, please send us one to try out. We'll review it for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's critical. Yeah. Yeah. It's very important. Jason, Jason will have it all over his Instagram feed. You know, it'll be great marketing for you.
0: Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. My God. Right. So that is all the news uh, this week. So now it's time to hand over to Zim for the latest releases this week. What you should.
1: Good news is we actually have some releases this week. We do. We have some decent stuff, not just shuffles from Steam, (laughs) uh, which is what I'd like. So we're going to start off with one called uh, Free Company VR. Sure. Uh, Free Company being like A company, B company, alpha, dog, whatever. Um, So this is is from Palm Shine Games, uh, launched on the 8th of January. And for $20 or about £16, you can control this Shogun or Rome Total Empire-esque uh, game. I haven't seen anything like this in VR yet. We were actually just talking last week about the um, advantage of RTSs. And mm. I think that there's something like this where you have the ability to build and grow an army, individually customize your individual soldiers, and then march them through battle to battle seems quite an interesting concept. Um, We've seen other RTSs, they usually go a kind of unit or grouped unit way, but without the customization that I've seen in this, so you know, leading a large-scale battle and seeing something like that—we've seen some kind of two D games uh, touch on that. I think it's large battle simulator or whatever that's called. That one with all the crazy YouTube videos that spawned off of it. Tabs, um, this, yeah, tabs. Yeah, this, tabs. this this seems to be totally this seems to be simulator. the uh, VR equivalent of that. And as I said, I think from from the concept alone, for me, it's quite interesting. So if you've got a Rift or a Vive. Uh, this has support. It's already out there. So it kind of looks it. like
0: it's got elements of like RTS planning, but also you can jump into first-person mode and then get stuck in yourself, which I kind of like that
2: idea. Yeah, it's kind of. It There's another VR game that does that, right? Isn't it? Is it called yeah, like, it like Battle the Simulator? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, yeah,
3: there was one I played on the Vive. It was one of the uh, again one of those standout sort of memorable experiences of that of the Vive year or two of my life and and it was exactly that you could do a kind of normandy thing yeah Yeah. the characters were quite cute but you had like 25 soldiers and you could zoom into them become a sniper then you could come out into god mode and organize a a strategic
1: that sounds like out of ammo setup yeah that's it yeah which has one of the best scoping mechanisms in early like 2016 vr yeah Yeah. it was actually by uh Dean Hall's team, uh, Rocketworks, uh the guys behind DayZ, uh popular ah, zombie right, survival yeah. game. That was kind of their first foray into VR. And it was interesting. It was a kind of a strange blend of almost that like Battlefield to God mode. Yeah. But it, it didn't do as well in sales, I think, for them as as I'd hoped it would, because uh it was quite a cool offering and uh it was a good those game. games that offer something new, you know, VR is still going through its gold mining process, you can tell.
2: Yeah
3: cool there you go
1: cool. so that's the first one uh next up and again another one that um i haven't seen anything like this before um this is 2md if anyone's into american football lads anyone into american football i'm not even i'm not even into <laughs> actually no i tell you what I,
0: I tell you a lie because i did get into american football my wife and i did we started watching last chance you on netflix and then we were just obsessed with it all of a sudden um <laughs> So we wouldn't watch any games, of course, but we just watched these. Uh, like they were like football schools, basically, like East Mississippi, I think it was. Um, mm. But there they, they were a lot of fun to watch those shows. Like they, when they go for it, I know they're wearing all the pads, so it's nothing really compared to like rugby here in the UK. Oh my! You
1: despond a sea of hatred in the comments. Uh, I'm, sure,
0: <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure everyone in the US in the chat will agree with me as well. Um, oh, I'm but sure yeah, they will. you know, it, it, it's cool. It's cool.
1: But yeah. Stop it's there. cool. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so this one. Um if 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 you mixed foosball with American football, you would get two MD VR football, which now has landed on Quest. This first released uh for PC VR headsets about two years ago. Um it's come out for thirteen dollars, ten pounds, from Truett Pixel, landed on the 9th of January, so just a couple of days ago. And this is essentially um, a room-scale, two-minute drill VR arcade game. Um, And actually, the reviews for this are are relatively positive, despite the kind of lo-fi graphics. Apparently, it feels quite like throwing an actual American football. Um, Right. And and it focuses really on three things. So um, you move your character, you strategize and decide the play you're going to use, and then you actually throw the ball, and and that kind of re- recycles, recycles, and so it's meant to be quite a fun pick up and play kind of uh, kind of game. But I I thought the visual style was quite good. Obviously, it's been tuned down a little bit for the quest, um, and it is a single player game, just to make that clear. So this is you know AI you're playing with. Mm-hmm. But- it looks like they game I like do like the tactical
2: um, aspect of it that you need to like draw on the board, mm, like yeah. what the the route of action is going to be. I like that aspect a lot. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it reminds me of that game from Sanzaru Games. Didn't they made they made a sports game uh, prior to uh, Marvel Powers United? Marvel Powers. Yeah, I can't remember what it was called. Uh, yeah. Sports Challenge or something like that, and it had uh, American football in that as well.
1: Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen many American football. I saw some. Um, some european footy games all right where mm. which were very odd especially including one where you were running with your feet by jagging your that's hands right, up and yeah. down. that was but weird. you know if you, can, <laughs> if you can tap
0: into that sort of like madden market which is ridiculously oh, oh, huge yeah. then you're onto a winner there you know so mm.
1: well i think i think that's yeah the, the sim games all, all that stuff is yet to come and it's it's what jason said earlier that we're just kind of waiting to see you know we've got the counter-strike in vr right mm-hmm. and like yeah. yeah, Where's the World of Warcraft? We've seen a couple of games try to do that. Where's FIFA? Mm. Right. Where's FIFA? Right. Yeah. Where's um, uh, what's it called? Football Manager, for instance. Those kinds of games. I mean, I don't even know if that's going to transfer. But like Rowdy said, you know, the strategy in that game that we saw demonstrated in the video, there's certain elements Fact. that
3: you couldn't do. Where is football? Where is so- as in soccer? Where is the okay. is there a title where you yeah take there are a couple
2: but it's like it's it's hard because it's of course feet so no. you need to like be able to track the feet in some of kind of way of
1: course that's the problem yeah. isn't it yeah. Yeah. yeah it's kind of like running games as well most like i, I when when vr first came out i was just like talking to all the devs i knew and i'm like just give me a game like the Wii Fit game where you ran around the island. Because I was like, yeah. I'll get up and I'll jog in place and I'll run around my island. Yeah. And at the time I realized it was like the Vive. And the Vive would be, like someone prototyped the game and I played it. And it was like doing this, <laughs> giving me black uh, black rings around my eyes because of all I the banging. I have
2: played football games in VR though, where you would just yeah. like, you know, when the ball is on your feet, you would just like run with your hands the entire yeah. time and you would press a button to shoot. Yeah. But they, yeah, it, it doesn't work well. No. Or nobody, none of the games that I've tried so far have done it right i, I think, th- I think that, the best soccer right. game for me
0: is uh task is it taskmaster or t- or yeah head so. headmaster,
2: headmaster headmaster where you had but to that's head more the ball. like a like an arcade yeah. it's of, drilling
1: right you're just doing yeah. drills you're like hitting the ball yeah. and it's weird to, i think that landed i don't know if it was initially on psvr but i i, I think i've it's played like, it on pc it's, as well it's on it's on PSVR, yeah but it, yeah, it's got yeah. a kind
0: of like a unique puzzle element to it as well isn't it yeah,
1: yeah. They're, but they're all like, and that's the thing with this one is like, if it's it's not full scale, full match. It's just two minute scrums, and you're chucking the ball. So, mm. uh, but as I said, it was actually net positive on the reviews, which which I found interesting for something that looked like that. Next game, I'm quite excited about this, especially given uh, both Jason and Mike popped the bubble on this one. Pavlov Shack is the pre-release version of. Um, Of Pavlov that is initially landed on the quest in a number of builds that were released by Dave Vills and the development team uh, Which you can side quest load now Um, And 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 actually it's it's a fantastic build It's 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 really solid uh, runs great multiplayer works VoIP works Um, I had a chance to to play uh, live on a stream with uh, Gamertag and we played uh, zombie mode We played gun game all the kind of regular modes um, the zombie mode was really interesting because, like playing Arizona Sunshine, it really gave me that feeling of kind of panic. You know, when you like backed into a corner and you're worried. Um, so you have this this impression of kind of zombies flooding at you. So having those mods available and being able to mix uh, with the VR community like that is very cool. Um, what what concession?
3: What concession is there um, to graphics?
1: Visuals are, visual, so shadows, shading and shadows, I would say, is the number one thing that that I, I noticed. Things are a bit flatter looking, but in terms of the models, the models are just lower five versions of what you have on PC. Um, honestly, once you play for a little bit, you forget you're playing on Quest. It's really quite nice. And, and the, the, the thing you don't have is you don't have the, you spin in place and end yeah. up, you know, strangling yourself in cables and have the embarrassment of have your child walking into the room, daddy lying on the floor, bundled in cables. So, yeah.
0: So how do they deal with the mods? Because on PC, obviously, they use, is it Steam Workshop or something?
1: The Steam mods? Workshop, yeah. yeah. The, I don't know. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's gone in through the maps anyway, so it comes in with the game. You have the ability to play. Gun Game is a, is a standard base game that's supported mm-hmm. by the team. I don't know how the zombie one, I think the zombie one is official. Rowdy, you're our expert on Pavlov.
2: I, I believe the zombie one is an official one, but yeah. do you have also like the TTT maps and stuff like that? I didn't that, see didn't TTT. It's mm. just, I
1: think it's can just I, the core...
3: Can I ask a question actually, because as a new as a newbie, as you pointed out, Rowdy earlier, and then you pointed your sort of finger gun at me. Um, I would like to ask you what the TTT thing means because it made didn't make any sense to me. And there's loads of maps that have TTT in the title. What? what why is that?
2: It's it's a game mode that is called Trouble and Trader Town or Trouble oh. and Terrorist Town. Uh, oh. Where well, you have two groups, you have traitors and you have terrorists. Uh, you have t- traitors and you have people who are innocent, basically. And the the goal is for the innocents to find the traitors, and the goal for the traitors is to call to to go and find all the innocents and kill God, them. God, no
3: wonder I was so bad. I had no idea. I just thought it was the name of the the guy that made the level, it was like <laughs> t- Terence Trent Tarby or something. And actually, it turns out it was the whole mechanic, the whole narrative of the level. That's so different, Terence Trent Tarby. Yeah. And know, you also man. have
2: one detective in there, <laughs> which, which has certain tools that he can use in order to help the innocent people.
1: What about the one? Uh, what's the one right. called where you turn into a piece of furniture and people have to find you? Because that's brilliant. I would have loved if Jason was in that one. Yeah. He's like, what? what? Why am I a table? What? Why am I a table? <laughs> well, that's a real thing. <laughs> yeah. That's a there real thing. Oh, oh, play brilliant. As well. That's brilliant. That's prop
2: good. hunt in VR.
1: So that's also you have two teams.
2: You have two teams. You have one uh, site that has objects, and the other teams are just guys in like a like a white suit or something. And the objects need to go and find an object and like transform into it and hide and stay as still as possible. Oh, and the geez. other ones need to go on and go around and find them. But every so often, there's also an audio sound that plays through your so-called speaker um so to give them a hint of where you are it's that that, that mode is just plain hilarious to play with friends
1: yeah that'd be great yeah. so you could be like jason you could be you know your arcade cabinet down the back yeah, right and people are hunting around and the thing is you have to kind of like mentally map if you're hunting right you have to mentally map and like okay what's different was that yeah. lampshade there and so you know you have to yeah. put bullets into things and stuff it's brilliant
3: oh right. man I, I i love it but but <clears throat> equally just on the the level of kind of team death match uh, in I think it was Nuke Town where there were lots of levels. Yeah. I don't know if that's if if, if, if that's a, an enormous town or if it's just the one level that I saw, which was kind of lots of almost like shipping containers.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I honestly I could spend hours in there just finding the angles and finding my little camping positions. Don't tell yeah, anyone I've to camping. <laughs> You know what I mean? And just getting those angles right and and uh, it, it reminded me so much of Counter Strike. Mm.
2: Brilliant. Yeah. down to the it's the, the most bag, amazing part about like shooters i always think is like when you see like people play competitive onward mm. um the amount of skill that those people have developed into a vr game and the way that you see that you know that skill being embodied into the player itself it's so epic to see mm. um, Yeah,
3: are we uh, talking are you talking about onward the, uh, the, VR the like, battle royale but it's a battle royale game is it or is that a no. different thing
2: no onward it's more like um like a tactical uh, first-person shooter, mm-hmm. okay. uh, where you indeed need I've to like go well, there. You go. that's
3: another obsession yeah. of mine. It's something.
1: like the big boys Counter-Strike, basically. Yeah. Right. One oh, shot's man. gonna take you down. But it's much, less uh, less, arcade, less arcade. Yeah, less arcade than Pavlov. Yeah, much more tactical and slower cool. in that, but um, brilliant. Well, Mike, what were you saying about teabagging? Was it? Well,
0: of course you can do that as well, which is a signature move, isn't it? You know When you encounter Strike, <laughs> you got to you got to give them the old teabag.
1: And, and you're working out at the same time. Exactly. If you play with yeah. the Lonely Viper, you get tea back the entire time. <laughs> I know. I know. Too all too well. All right. I will touch on the last one. I'll, he's very good, by the way, if you yeah, he is. <laughs> a Lonely Viper. Shout out to him. Bloody hell. Uh, the only guy who I know who managed to get through the door in Boneworks anyway. Um <laughs> so then that last one uh, I just wanted to mention, because we I think Nathan mentioned on the last podcast, there aren't often free demos on uh on, on the store. So I wanted to call this one out. This is a Boiling Steel Preface, which you get to start off and play the initial parts of Mirowin's, uh Boiling Steel, which is an action uh, it's kind of an action heavy story uh, game. Again, it's, you're kind of a robot in a, in a robot-filled world. I found it to be like an, a very active um, Lone Echo. Like if you dropped about half of the story, out of a Lone Echo. It had some really interesting mechanics. I've, I've dabbled in this game a bit and looked a lot better than I was expecting this game to actually. It kind of struck me like the matrix a bit so um the devs have decided to give uh the first bit of the game out for free which i think is a great idea because it'll up the chances people will find the game and uh, play it and like it and, and purchase it the full game is available for i think 17 pounds or something like that um and so that's one of the demos i thought worth uh, worth highlighting i enjoyed my first uh, half hour with the game so uh give oh, that one it cool. a shot that's boiling steel preface Mm. Yeah, kind of a weird name actually, but um, yeah, I liked it. I liked it more than uh, than I was expecting to, and it had good, uh, like what Rowdy said before. The um, hand mechanics uh, of what you could do with the Oculus Touch were well integrated, and they had things yeah. like laser traps, kind of like you had in the Resident Evil films, stuff like that, and the guns, kind of like um. Stormland, you know how you have the, like, expanding guns that, mm-hmm. like, did multiple things? They had multi-stage weaponry as well that would, like, expand and and do special stuff. And apparently, as you go through the game, even the tools that you use in the game, and there's kind of nine discrete tools, they level up and upgrade and kind of change shape. Um, so I'm, I'm keen to actually play that one more, and I think I'll be doing that on, on Twitch at some point.
0: Nice, yeah. nice. Definitely developers out they should do more demos. You know, it definitely worked really well for Vertigo, too. Because um, I had completely sidestepped or just missed the original Vertigo game, and Vertigo 2 just completely converted me on you know this studio's talent. You know, it's yeah. it's an amazing demo, and I'd, I'd recommend anyone to go out there and try it because it's free, of course. Um, and they're going to be you know using the same engine to remake the original Vertigo
1: as well. So I'm looking forward to, to trying that out. It's one of those things, and and before I hand back to you, Mike, I'll ask Jason a question because the 90s for me was very much about demo discs on the cover of, of CD yeah. CDs yeah. on magazine covers that I would go and play to death because mm-hmm. I lived in the Caribbean at the time. We didn't have good internet. I mean, it was it was pretty shite internet, to be honest. It was 28, eight modems and all the sound that goes with that. And, Lovely. and so I was basically reliant on, on, on demo discs. But yeah. do you have any memories from that time that like stand out to you and like demos that you played to death or anything like that?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I would say I'd go a decade earlier and so, because I was born in 69, so mm-hmm. I was 11 in 1980. Yep. And my dad worked in the plastics industry with, uh, and f- flirted with a company called Sinclair that you may not know, but mm-hmm. most most people of my age from the UK would know Sir Clive Sinclair. He was a legend. He was, he was the Elon Musk of his day for, for the Brits. And brought us the ZX Spectrum, obviously, and the ZX80, the ZX81. And so I used to love getting the... Um, not, not even the demo discs, the demo code <laughs> mm. in the magazine, like Zap magazine on a Saturday morning. And then painstakingly manually putting in the code on my ZX81, uh, where if you got a colon wrong or a greater than symbol wrong, the entire thing just didn't load. And then saving it on audio cassette.
0: Yep. That's, That's uh, awesome. Yeah. No, I, That's I, awesome. I remember doing the same thing with Commodore 64. Um, cause they had this, they had the similar thing where you'd buy a magazine, the game code would be in there. And like you say, you'd spend hours, hours typing this out and it would only work like 50% of the time. And even then when <laughs> it did work, the game was normally like awful. I know, but didn't it, but
3: it was like, um, you know, it's like if you have your morning coffee, but if you, if you somehow motivate yourself to go out into the freezing cold and, and run 5k and then come back and then have a shower and then have your coffee that, that coffee tastes so much better than if you just got up and, and, and necked it. Because you did you don't, it. Don't you know, it because you earned it. Yeah. And, I, and I do think, I do wonder whether some form, that would be quite interesting, wouldn't it? How would you, digit? what would be the digital equivalent of that?
1: I, I think we're there now process. because of the side quest process. Like have to go through eight, yeah. 10 steps to get, I mean, the early days of side loading on the quest, for instance, was quite involved. Now it's not as involved as you're not typing out lines of code, you're not recreating what the developers had to do. But that's some form of it for sure. You're so right. You're I love so the right. I love the like the indie edge stuff because it's like, okay, you can go and take my, you know, my game code and maybe you'll get it to work. But like trying to get the sub pack working with Bluetooth, with a force tube, something that yeah, you know, all yeah. that Coupled together with a quest, that's actually where I normally live. I live in that like Tinkerville of trying yeah. to get this stuff like working together. Um and when you do, it's kind of like you said, it's it's just such good positive it's awesome. satisfaction. It is. It can be really special.
3: It can be incredibly frustrating as well, but it can also be really <laughs> magnificent when you get that eureka, that eureka moment when yeah. it actually works.
0: Yeah, that's exactly. so ninety so percent frustration, ten percent just pure bliss. <laughs>
1: Yeah, pure yeah. bliss. Exactly. Yeah. Like like They're play a like playing a zombie shooter with your wife that you and being able to share it with the people. That yeah, exactly. that must
3: have been a really really special moment. Oh, I mean, it was I, great. I went into the. In fact, strangely enough, it was earlier today. I went into the lounge and and I could hear my daughter. I was just eating something in the other room. I couldn't see her, and and the, the sort of rhythm of her speech was different to normal. So I was I was like, I wonder who she's speaking to. Is She on the phone? What's she doing? So I, I went through into the room. And she was playing, you know, rec, rec Room? Yeah, Rec Room. You know when you can run around the parkour, the parkour <laughs> course oh, yeah, in yeah, Rec yeah, Room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was playing that, but not just with anyone that she'd kind of met in the lobby, but with a mate of hers that she'd actually rung up and they'd organised to meet. And it was the first time that she had done, you know, a proper social meet-up in VR.
0: That's epic. Oh, and that's for me awesome. as
3: a dad, it, I, was, I was proud. It was like a nice moment, you know.
0: That is an incredible yeah. moment. Yeah. How old is she? She's 14. Wow.
3: That's awesome. And so think about it. She's going to say to her kids, do you never guess what? I had to get this helmet and then I had to go to a store and then what, what, and I had to be at home. What, what, you weren't just at work, like on break at work and you just thought it and it just appeared in front of you. No, no, I I actually had to put a helmet on and uh, what, not retinal implants. No, no, an actual helmet and the battery used to run out and I had to plug the cord in, you know, frantically because it was going to run out of power and then the the, the double A's or whatever it is would fail and my left controller would vanish and... You know what I mean? They were the good uh, old least, days. Yeah, they were the good. good old that's that's nostalgia right there. Yeah,
0: I, was, I can't wait for that. I can't wait for that to be oh, swinging, dude, swinging too. the lamp in my care home as an... Bring, like we're all going with the surgery down. Plug Hup me in. Just, just plug me into the matrix, and I'll talk about yeah, VR all day we'll long. We'll get
1: there. We'll get there. Uh, anyway, back to you, Mike, for the uh, main topic now. Okay,
0: cool. So, of course, our main topic this week is some of the VR highlights from CES 2020. Took place in Las Vegas this week. Um, None of us sadly attended the show, but we were sort of all watching it from the sidelines. And there's been a a fair amount of VR stuff shown at CES this year. Um, We can't cover everything because there was quite a bit, but we've sort of each picked like a product that we want to talk about. And um, I'll sort of kick this one off uh, with Nvidia's new VR technology, which they unveiled during CES called VRSS. And then we'll pass it around and we've all got something to talk about. So, Let's dive into VRSS then. And uh, if you're not familiar with it, you don't know anything about it, I'll sort of give you a little little lesson on it. So VRSS stands for Variable uh, Rate Super Sampling. And it's available for free uh, as part of the latest graphics card driver from NVIDIA. However, the caveat being that you need to have uh, the latest and greatest RTX 2080, 2070 or 2060 graphics cards uh, for it to work because they're mm. using the Turing architecture, which this needs to, to function. Mm. Um, so, before I get into what variable uh, rate supersampling is, I'll quickly cover what traditional supersampling is just to sort of give you a basis of, of understanding. So, in very simple terms, supersampling is when you push the resolution higher than your headset's native resolution. Um, and you can do this using SteamVR or Oculus Debug tool. And basically this results in sharper images in the headset which is really useful for uh, games that use like scopes or for reading text or just like finer details in game can make everything look a little bit nicer. Um, and this is all great. However, it does come at the cost of performance, and and really, you should only push supersampling higher and increase it uh, if you have the performance headroom available. Otherwise, mm-hmm. your your frame rate is going to stuff uh, suffer. Your gameplay is going to become a bit stuttery, and and that can lead on to other consequences like motion sickness is a, is a big side effect of
1: of, of uh, unsmooth <laughs> gameplay. Basically, um, just a quick question there, Mike, on uh, for supersampling. Do you find this is one of those topics that's difficult to uh, show visually what you see with your eyes? Yes. Because I find in particular, like you super sample to 1.5, you're like, God, this feels great. Like it looks so much nicer. And it's such a kind of like trick of science almost that you're able to do that because you're pushing past the panel's resolution, but it's still sharpening. Like in games like Elite Dangerous, for example, Mm -hmm. uh, really benefit from super sampling. And for some years now, I think... VR players have used it to kind of hop that hurdle, right? Yeah. And I just, I just, I was curious if, if you or Rowdy have ever been able to demonstrate super sampling in a way that you thought was like good enough. But I find that very difficult. It's, it,
0: it is so difficult to to show, you know, to but show. It's, it's always always
2: better in like games that have a lot of text. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think those are the ones that are benefit from it the most and, just in general
0: and also you do get to a point where you're going beyond diminishing returns you know um around sort of like two or three um to, which which equates to two two hundred to 300%. three hundred percent
1: yeah <laughs> three hundred yeah. percent mike i know you've got a super yeah. cool rig with an awesome graphics card but please keep that language out of here i don't i don't want you know. to that's the
0: thing like you know when you get to that limit you know anything beyond that is is is, is yeah. going to get a bit tricky and and that's i'll sort of sort of come back to that in a little bit um okay. But when applying supersampling, um, you're applying uh, this resolution increase to the whole image. So the whole image that's being sent to your headset is being sampled at this increased resolution. And and this kind of brings us on to nicely to VRSS, which is this new tech, because it's variable rate supersampling. And it's built upon variable rate shading, which is a feature of this uh, NVIDIA Turing uh, architecture mm-hmm. on these graphics cards. And that's why you'll only see it on these ones. And it probably won't ever be applied retrospectively to like the GTX series, for example. So you will need a, an RTX card. Um, but VRSS is where your system can dynamically add up to eight times supersampling. But this is just applied to the very center of the image Sensor. where your eyes are generally focused when playing wow. a VR game. Whilst all the uh, the image in your peripheral vision, which, uh, you know, you generally don't see because it's distorted by the lenses or it's just out of your field of view, um, aren't rendered at 8x. They're just rendered in the, the standard 100% uh, resolution. So you've got this really high uh, contrast section in the center, which can be sampled up to 8x and everything else is 1x on the edges. So uh, it's
2: kind of like a like a foveated rendering kind of concept. It's exactly the same. So it is,
0: it, VRSS uh, is NVIDIA's term for fixed foveated rendering, which is absolutely right. And and you see, you see fixed foveated rendering on Oculus Quest. Um, and, and particularly in games like Vader Immortal, you can actually see it in action. Um,
1: I, I actually have had on Quest, I don't know if anyone else in chat has had this, I've been having a really bad fixed foveated rendering bug, which has halted me playing two or three games where the the fixed foveated uh, rendering panel scene, which looks a bit like um, oh, not an hourglass, uh, almost like two crosses smushed together. Mm-hmm. Um, it, field goes white and flickers, uh, terrible. It totally wrecks the scene. Right. But I'm 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 kind of curious. When you say dynamic, is that just to mean on the fly, or is there some other aspect to this?
0: Absolutely. So this is the, the other really really cool thing about VRSS, and that is that it intelligently applies. Only when there's performance headroom available in order to maintain the, the headset's refresh rates. And this is kind of like a nice. game changer, really, because, you know, messing around yeah. with supersampling, it's always a case of like uh, different games will react differently to supersampling. So like Skyrim, for example, very heavy yeah. game. You wouldn't be able to supersample so much as like Superhot, for example. Yeah. Um But the cool thing with VRSS is that you don't have to worry about the trial and error of all this. It does it automatically for you. And if you've got the performance headroom, it's just going to look better. So it's a win-win. And because it's only the center of the display that's being super sampled, uh, not the whole image, uh, you can still have that great performance that you're used to, but you're just getting this sweet little spot in the center that's sampled at a higher rate, which is great.
2: As a, as a content creator, my first question will always be then: Is there a way to apply it to the entire screen? Then, just that just use just traditional super sampling. Just just traditional and still, traditional. Yeah. but that it automatically still determines how much. No. So traditional super sampling, that would be interesting you have for to do me.
0: manually, yeah. Whereas yeah. the VRSS does it intelligently and dynamically itself.
2: Yeah. Um, uh, the, the reason why I'm interested in this because when you record content mm-hmm. for YouTube or for any other platform, yep. what I traditionally do is I super sample not within my headset, but I traditionally like super sample the screen. It's also a super sample in my headset then. But I try to like find like a sweet spot there that it looks great on the screen rather than that it looks great on my headset. Yeah, I record that content in order. Because it just looks better.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like, creator tools have a long way to go, for sure. You know, we've talked about this many times before. Uh, the struggles yeah. <laughs> the struggles are real sometimes. But, you know, it is what it is right now. But I'm sure that'll improve over time. But the clever thing about VRSS is that because this is all done on the driver level from NVIDIA, it doesn't need any additional uh, work from a developer's point of view, um, mm. which is really cool. And right now, there's about a list of 25 supported games, Boneworks being one of the most prominent Um where this just sort of works and in my testing uh, I I can tell that it's working but for me it doesn't make a huge difference because you're using a high-end PC anyway um, so the difference isn't that great but where I see this really making a big difference in the future is when we're sort of five years from now and VRSS is a standard and you're trying to play VR content on sort of average pc hardware which you know is c- probably going to be our current high-end hardware um, mm-hmm. and, and you won't need that real high-end pc to really push mm-hmm. vr to make it look you know amazing in the headset and i think that's where it's going to be more accessible to the sort of mainstream audience out there so mm-hmm. although it's not a game changer right now it's it's a very interesting technology and it was likely going to be a game changer in the future yeah. but the thing still- is
2: with these kind of technologies is if you get more headroom, then developers will likely do crazy things with that anyway to fill up that extra headroom. So that is that is interesting nonetheless to see, you know, where, where it goes from here.
0: Yeah, and also like we've mentioned on previous uh, shows as well about dynamic uh, foveated rendering where mm. you take VRSS to another level and you incorporate eye tracking into it. Tracking, so you, yeah. you don't have that just fixed center that's like uh, super sampled. It will follow your eyes view in the headset and that will also be... Uh, you know, sampled at 8x as well, um, and then you're really onto a winner there because you're going to be saving on performance even further.
1: To me, the R- the RTX cards, like, and this is this to me is kind of like engineers going like, oh, we could get this little bit more out. And well, I well, I think that that's a nice little frog leap, I think the big leap which they took when they published the RTX architecture is that you've got this AI core that's going to guess. It's going to basically do mm. intelligent guesswork and say right. I've only got 20% of the image. I'm only going to render that much. And then the rest I'm going to guess at. Yep. And I'm going to guess I'm going to push those pixels to you. And you'll just be happy because you won't know any better. And I think that's where real phenomenal image compression saving mm-hmm. is going to come. And the same thing true in terms of the rendering pipeline. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm very excited. When the, when those cards first dropped, that's the bit, which is basically right now the unused bit of the card That makes me super excited for years two, three, four from here. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: But I I would just say now, you know, like if you're thinking about upgrading, I I really wouldn't recommend upgrading to the RTX cards just yet, particularly if if VR is your bag more than anything else. It is is great for pancake games. I'm not going to lie. But for VR, you really are sort of like a way OP Uh, and especially with this technology. It doesn't make a massive difference right now, but I think it will uh, again in the future. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. That is a VRSS in a nutshell. So now let's hand it over to Zim uh, to tell us to tell us about uh, <laughs> Panasonic's offering VR glasses uh, at, at CES. I'm really interested about this because uh, uh, I'll let you sort of do all the research about it. So you're going to educate me, which is going to be really cool. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. This is uh, this is this is fantastic. Firstly, okay. So there's there's essentially a steampunk glasses version of headsets that have come out as a concept prototype from Panasonic. Who knew proto- You know, this prototype was coming at us? No idea. All I can say is that I think last week when we were talking about CES, I mentioned colors. And I'm very excited to say, especially for our audio listeners who can't see the image, uh, that these are coming in a number of different poppy colors. Now, is that just marketing? Probably, because these are not going to be designed and probably will never be released to the consumer market. But they certainly paint some very pretty pictures for us in our minds of how this can work. Now, this prototype has a couple of very interesting, cool things about it. Firstly, uh, its obvious physical form factor. It is like a fat pair of sunglasses as opposed to a headset. So This is kind of the first set of VR glasses that we're actually getting to see. Mm. Secondly, the IPD adjustment is very interesting. It looks a bit DIY, if I'm honest, but it's essentially like a rotating screw on the eye bridge between the two eyelets that allow the eye cups to move out and in. So it's kind of like a physical adjuster right there in the middle of where it should be. Um, so probably the first time that IPD was made properly intuitive, if you're not hunting around the device, where do I, where do I make this adjustment? It looks nice and strong right at the center. So that's that's the second thing. The third thing um, that I mentioned already is probably the colors. I I love that we're seeing colors and fashion kind of creep into the VR space. I think it's something that headset developers haven't done enough of. But this is like the first step of like, oh, you could kind of look kind of techie cool with these glasses in. And it makes me think about the days when you'll have glasses that do AR and VR. Now, those are all the cool things about it. What about the detriments for something of this model? For people who tried it on the show floor, um, they were actually connecting out of a cable at the front of the uh, front of the eyelets which firstly is, is a bad thing because they're already front-facing, weighted, right? Mm. And you're also thinking, well, hang on a second here. What's the usefulness of these things if they're tethered? That doesn't make any sense at all, right? Surely I want to be walking the streets. I want to be um, walking around, like looking looking awesome. And clearly there's got to be a battery in there somewhere, but apparently not in, the, uh, in this prototype design. Right. So <laughs> they did have a non-functional design that was kind of, again, for the photographs that people were taking around the floor. Um, but to see Panasonic do, and they do loads, at CES I went through what they released at CES it was about 25 different things Um, this is definitely the coolest and if you look at something like this um, a lot of the major news uh, outlets were saying this could be designed in such a form factor um, (laughs) if this is viable as a portable set of personal electronics it could come in to undercut things like the magic leap which currently retails for 2300 us dollars that's a lot of uh, playroom for them uh, in terms of this. Now, one of the other main form pieces in in these, I don't know what you call them, eyelets, uh, the actual screens themselves offered like a, it was like a 70 degree field of view, more like a, not a postage stamp as we've seen in a lot of the AR headsets. Again, this is a VR headset that we're talking about, but more boxy than what we're used to in terms of um, in the Oculus and Vive, et cetera, headsets that we've seen. So... The only other complaint that I saw about them was that they are particularly front heavy and people who wore them, and this is across several different review sites, said that the front bridge of the nose, and just again, flashing that kind of picture back on for those on the video feed here, doesn't have enough support on your nose to be able to kind of keep them in place. And actually they they were sliding off of people's faces. And I think one reviewer had commented to say, you know, I could imagine picking up a pair of these for whatever, several hundred dollars and looking forward and having them drop to the floor and smash. So they didn't feel particularly well built. But as a as a kind of a a view into the future. I think the Panasonic um VR goggles are quite an appetizing piece of technology.
2: Yeah. So. And what is the the exact application you have for this in mind? Like
1: uh they were mentioning that it would be more like industrial uh industrial use cases okay. uh, where they would use it. So I think, you know, having someone sitting down at a booth using this flipping them on type of thing instead of having a full on headset might be more comfortable for someone to interface with. Also, you don't have the what we all love at conventions, the sweat ring around the outside that no one wants to really put on their face unless they put it through something um, to, to sanitize it. Yeah. So yeah. those are the main features. I think it, it looks less intimidating
0: for, you know, the layman that isn't involved in VR or knows VR. You know, you could you could hand that to them and, and they would kind of understand what it is and maybe a little bit more. Um, but I guess, it, is this just a three degrees of freedom headset? Three degrees. Yeah. Um, which I think we mentioned on a previous episode, is kind of like I do feel like 6 off is the kind of standard now uh, and I don't really want to go back. But I do understand Mm -hmm. for businesses that just want to do a demo Mm -hmm. that's seated, for example, to show to a client, then I guess it's not a big deal
1: um think think you're an architect right showing off your design or whatever people you would way easier get people into that than you would something else i mean and and i have to say that i i'm going to show people um palmer lucky's image that he took he looked awesome yeah (laughs) in in his tweet posted during the week on this um best best picture of them that i I saw throughout but they look pretty cool they do i didn't mention for the audio listeners they do have sound they do have an audio uh cable coming out so it's not like soundbar audio it an an earlobe um audio feed that you've got so just like any of the kind of exercise equipment that you would expect but they look pretty badass to be honest and uh, now it's just a race of who's the first one going to you know create a vr headset and that form factor really i can definitely
0: see these in like um, art museums and like um you know scientific museums and history museums you know where they have these like little niche uh, tech bits where they sort of give you a vision of the past you can go back to world war one and see what it's like or whatever and and using this form factor rather than the yeah. traditional vr headsets that we know and love yeah yeah,
3: but they're, they're interesting because they are in that sort of strange kind of steampunk mm. electronica yeah. Blade Runner mm. aesthetic they, they're actually quite we, we kind of predicted them didn't we mm. yeah. you know what I mean they're, they're, they're exactly what the guy that makes the eyeballs in the back street in Blade Runner would wear
1: <laughs> yeah to, they remind to, me of Ghost in the Shell actually yeah. Yeah. that kind of a look because I was just watching that in 3D in a trailer in uh, Big Screen mm. And I was like, "This is so banished. but they got all the guys with the kind of like protruding eyelet uh viewers, but yeah, yeah, there's one <clears throat> kind of Japanese stuff that that looks that has projected this already it,
3: maybe I'll call an old cynic, but it smacks to me of a a little bit of a marketing exercise mm. um so that if you've got twenty five things as you say to uh get journalists excited about and you've got to compete with Sony and mm. you know Samsung and so on, uh what a good idea to have this one object that has your Panasonic logo on it." That appeared in, let's face it, absolutely every single uh, first and second day report from CES across all media across the world, because that's what people go to CES for those 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 extraordinary standout pieces of of product design. Mm. And I and I wonder if literally a marketing budget would be enough for, to 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 cover what what really doesn't f- having not tried them. I don't I don't want to say too much, but they don't feel particularly. Original. I mean, look at look at say Bose and their augmented reality uh, audio uh, shades, mm-hmm. and then and various other manufacturers. They're kind of pulling bits together, oh. albeit in a beautiful form factor and a lovely piece of product design. Um, I, I I love the look of them. They excited me on a purely aesthetic level, but I'm, I'm cynical of, 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 as to what their motives were for bringing them to the show. Mm. I
1: think you're really right about that because, um, I mean, there's smart fridges that are released at CES, right? I mean, there's loads of stuff that isn't going to get uh, the attention of reviewers. Um, with your product review background, I mean, again, it caught your eye, so there you go. Well, they, bring me, they, they would bring us in. Say when I was with a film crew, they'd
3: bring us in. That, that that device would and then the PR would say we've got you booked in to see the glasses at two can I show you our fridges in the meantime yeah yeah, yeah. and that's not just that's rehearsed you know that's actually part of the in the same <laughs> way that you you buy the batteries at the counter when you get in, in the electronics store you know mm. because they're sat next to the counter so that you grab a you grab a set of batteries it's that same kind of clever Retail psychology, yeah, yes, yeah, mm-hmm.
0: absolutely. That, that's really yeah, awesome to have that insight as well because I'm sure that's exactly what it's like. Um, awesome. So, there's the Panasonic VR glasses. Uh, Rowdy's yes. going to talk about uh, the Pico Neo 2, which a lot of people have been yeah. bantering around as a potential competitor mm-hmm. to the Quest. So, interested to hear more yeah. about this one.
2: Yeah, first I want to say that um, it's interesting that Zim brought it up. Uh, brought it up from the the Panasonic glasses because actually Pico also uh, very quietly kind of announced like uh, VR glasses as well, which have a similar kind of format as the ones that uh, that you discussed. Uh, I'll quickly go over the specs because it might be interesting for people as well. Uh, they're in 90 hertz. Um, mm-hmm. They have a 1600 by 1600 LCD display in each eye. They're mm-hmm. also 3 off. Uh, and what which I find very interesting is that they also added the diopter adjustment for focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw some people in the chat asking about the Panasonic glasses. You know, can you wear, can you wear those glasses if you actually wear glasses? Uh, mm-hmm. But with this one, that probably won't be necessary as you can probably adjust it up to like the, a certain setting for your own personal eyes. That's um, interesting. They only weigh 120 grams, uh, they are touting 90 degrees of freedom, uh, f- uh, field of view, and uh, the biggest factor that is like the novelty in this kind of headset is, the, is that they're using pancake lenses that they uh, designed themselves, and I, I found on Road to VR kind of a description of what this is, pancake lenses. So most consumer headsets today they use a a single a simple lens, and in order to correctly focus and the light from the display onto your eyes, the lens need to be a certain distance from the display. This is also the reason why many of those headsets have kind of like a like a box design because there needs to be that certain distance uh, between the lens and the display. Now what they do with the pancake lens approach, they condense the length of the optical path by folding it it back onto itself because I believe there is like two um, parts to it so they can actually uh, use polarized lights and uh, multiple lens elements um, and although there are trade-offs with this which one those are I don't really know uh, but this does allow the display to be placed much closer to the lens which gives you more of like a, a glasses kind of feel Is feeling. that like
1: wave shaping then Rowdy? Is that is it kind of like wave shaping what we've had before with a multi-lens approach? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to I, kind of I, I understand. Don't,
2: I, I don't know don't what know. wave shaping is, but okay. the way I, I understand this is because you have the optical path that it follows coming from the display, uh, but instead of going directly through the lens, it actually folds back onto itself, shortening the optical path that is actually necessary in order to reach your Yeah, okay, so, cool. Um, Just very quickly, um, uh, the Index uses uh,
0: double-stacked lenses as well. It's the only other headset that Double I'm aware of. Lenses. Yeah. So yeah. like lenses. I, I don't know if that
2: is the same thing as yeah. the, the Pancake. They, they're saying, Pico is saying that these are lenses that they've specifically developed themselves. Right. Um, wow. So I don't Ooh. know in, in what way or format it is different from uh, the index lenses mm. or not. Does
1: it come with some Ange-Mimas? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> I can just and, imagine and, and someone pouring maple syrup into maple that. Syrup. And actually, <laughs> sad, sad truth. Yeah. I got maple syrup... In my CV1 at one stage. Savage. It was because what happened, I had a plate. (laughs) My lovely wife came, brought me pancakes or something. She did the maple syrup thing. I hit it with my elbow. It went flying. And a day later, I found hardened maple syrup gluing (laughs) itself to my CV1, which had obviously taken some shrapnel. So pancake uh, plus headset doesn't really go well.
2: I I I know you want to move to Canada, Zim, but please, that's not the way to do it. Like... (laughs)
1: I tell you, I'm really a Canadian. Let
2: me in. <laughs> yeah, come on. But then the the, the the big announcer for for Pico, of course, was the Pico Neo 2, um, mm. of which there are two versions: the Pico Neo 2 and the Pico Neo 2i. Uh, the only difference between the two is that uh, the Neo i, the Neo 2i, actually has Tobii eye tracking in there mm. as well. Uh, we talked about eye tracking a little bit before, and mm. to my understanding, the the huge difficulty with eye tracking is still the latency that is involved. You need to get it to like i think below two milliseconds or at least near zero latency in order for it to work perfectly because otherwise you know every time you 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 look somewhere else it will still be a little bit blurry before it can adjust um so i i don't know how well that is already solved i do know that with the nvidia headsets that they were uh, showing i think at gamescom last year Mm. Uh, Mm. did you manage to try that as well mike no i managed to try one at level virtual um there was actually it was really spot on i don't know what kind of latency they were using but uh, it was very impressive i haven't of course tried the toby eye tracking in the, the neo2 um but i believe toby eye tracking is the same thing as, as as is being used in the
1: in the nvidia one that's um, interesting the pico so we had the pico neo um i think that is probably the headset that i tried in I think it was oc4 or brla um but it's it, it was kind of like the first appropriate standalone headset and i say that in that it it was sixed off but it its software catalog was like nil Mm. so it was one of those headsets that i looked at and went i don't think i would ever i don't think i would ever you know put my own money on this headset Mm -hmm. um was there any mention of the pico neo2 and I, I don't understand really the software drivers. Like, why mm-hmm. would you buy this? Or is this strictly yeah. an enterprise? Um, so
2: I looked at that as well. I mean, they are um, targeting business, of course. Uh, that's that's the main uh, thing that they're targeting. But they do say, and I, I again, I don't know what specifically that means, but they are saying Wireless PC VR streaming using a 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi connection. Oh, I see. So Um, so they're almost aiming
0: for this like kind of cloud-based computing VR headset? I believe so. Right. I believe so. So I think it's quite Um,
1: smart. I mean, it's something that people were asking in chat about earlier, but um, I use my Quest with Virtual Desktop all the time to play PC VR, so I don't have Jason's problem of getting caught up in a cable. (laughs) You do have some concessions in that uh, it's not really quality, but every so often you'll have a blip or something like that Mm. happen. And unless you in particular, disable your 2.4 gigahertz network Mm. and allow the throughput of your 5 gigahertz network, then you get this kind of stepped effect of, you know, you'll be at 5 gig for a while and then it does an automatic management, drops you to 2.4 and you're like, ah. And then you don't get the same kind of visual fidelity through, you don't get the connection. And if you're trying to broadcast at the same time, you get latency for the viewers, which is something you don't want to have happen because then you lose that one-to-one motion with what's happening in the game. But... Looks good. I mean, yeah. an interesting looking uh, device. So, to be honest, the, so the interesting to, part is about. Yeah. Oh,
2: sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go. On. <clears throat> the the interesting part about the 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 Wi-Fi connections that originally because a lot of news websites had to retract their statements that they originally showed it um, with a standalone 60 gigahertz streaming box, um, which was apparently. An, an, perfect kind of solution in order for like doing the wireless streaming Uh, but they have now described that only as a tech demo and that it will not be available for purchase
1: was that Um, six or 60 60
2: 60 gigahertz
1: gigahertz streaming box so they were going really high spectrum i wonder is that rowdy you might know is that the unlicensed uh spectrum Is the issue Um, around 5 gig is that it's all licensed, you know, channels, but
2: I I don't know if it's licensed, but uh, 60 gigahertz will not even penetrate the skin. So I don't think it needs to be licensed.
1: Right. Yeah. See, yeah, I think it's it's okay. Thanks. Yeah, top top layers of, of the skin are not
2: being pen not even by five. I think actually. Mm. But yeah. Um, so that's the that was only a tech demo. Uh, the f- field of view that they're saying is one hundred and one. Uh, they do have a su- software adjustment IPD fifty five millimeters uh, up to seventy one millimeters. I think right. the seventy one is a little bit on the on the low end uh compared to like i mean for me it's fine i I can just use this headset with the the 55 millimeter i think Palmer lucky's ipd is like 72 i think you yeah exactly said poor Um, bastard yeah Yeah. and then and then the most interesting thing is because of course this is going to be competition for the oculus quest at at least that's what they're aiming for i would say is that uh, it features the snapdragon 845 uh, mm-hmm. While the Quest has a Snapdragon eight three five, it's uh, has a total resolution of three thousand eight hundred forty by two thousand one hundred sixty, which mm-hmm. is one thousand nine hundred twenty by two thousand one hundred sixty per eye. Yeah. Uh, while the Quest has one thousand four hundred fifty by one thousand six hundred. Uh, yeah. Per eye.
1: So they basically want to answer that question of if I'm a business and I'm going to buy for an application, I'm not yeah. buying Quest, I'm buying the. Yeah, yeah. Code, yeah. but yeah.
2: It's, it's getting interesting though because this LCD panel is clocked at 75 hertz, while the Quest is clocked at 72 hertz. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why I'm saying it's interesting for business is that it's actually cheaper than the Quest when you take the business aspect, because apparently Facebook charges one thousand dollar. For the uh, 128 gigabyte Quest through its Oculus for Business kind of program. And they are charging here for the Pico Neo 2, so not the eye tracking, the Pico Neo 2 uh, to business for $700. So it's a $300 difference. And the Pico Neo 2i okay. is uh, $900. Mm. So it's still $100, yeah, a little smart. bit undercut. Wow. And since they're targeting business, it makes a bit more uh, sense <coughs> as well. Also, I think that Zim would like to hear that. They've um, spent a lot of time on making the headset much more comfortable. Uh, I think that the, mm. like everyone here has a little bit already mentioned it, like the... The weight of the headset is not really accurate. Uh, we would prefer to have a little bit of that weight move to the back, and they've done that actually with the uh, with the battery. They have a rear mounted battery on the back smart. of your hat, so the the headset is a bit more balanced out, so it's less front heavy. Which I think is a very smart uh, it is
0: smart choice. It is absolutely so. So the key there is that you know although uh, on a spec sheet. It's, it's probably a little bit better than the Quest. The thing is, this is going to be a business-focused headset rather than one Yeah, it's, like, it's going to be is? purely business-focused.
2: Yeah. And the thing is, uh, I don't know if you guys have already seen the controllers of it, but I'm not entirely sold on the controllers. They're wand shapes. They look very much like the PSVR controllers, but mm-hmm. then with the thumbstick. Mm. Um which I I don't know if that is like the ideal design that we want in virtual reality, especially with like, you know, the knocker controls, you know, Mm. finger tracking, the Oculus touch does it fairly well as well. I don't really know how that is going to be with the with the uh, Pico Neo Two controllers, but again, it's it's aimed at businesses, so I don't I don't yeah. know exactly what kind of application that they're going for there. I think the um, other thing that Oculus does really
0: well, particularly with the Quest, is like the user experience is just so simple. Like mm-hmm. you can put it on and be within a, in a VR experience within like twenty thirty yeah. seconds. Yeah, and I think you know that's really where they need to compete and make sure that their software layer is yeah. as good as their hardware is. Yeah. Um, so interesting. The indeed. the
2: controllers though they are on, based on a different kind of system because with the uh, Oculus Quest, it's, it's inside out tracking, mm-hmm. but here they actually use uh, an electromagnet and the inertial um, measurement unit, so an IMU unit, in order to Gyro. positionally track it. Uh, even though when it like is you know occluded by your body or whatever. I was having uh, flashbacks then of the. The six cent stem system. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, the, the, they will still uh, like if you have any like electromagnetic in- interference, then you'll probably run into problems then. Yeah. Um, but in terms of occlusion, it does solve a problem. Yeah.
0: It 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 will save you three hundred bucks uh, for your business use, but your credit cards won't work after using it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you very nice. much for that, Rowdy. Um, no Jason, you've got one as well, right? You've got um like the Rebuff Reality uh which is uh they've got some Quest products uh right
3: yeah just a couple of sm- small things that caught my eye uh VR Power have you heard about this guys um so this is from uh, Rebuff Reality um it's quite a neat looking pack that fits in the nape of your neck mm-hmm. just at the, on the back strap of the Quest in fact I've got my Quest here I can show you exactly where it goes so um, so, so it would go just just there um, mm-hmm. Which actually, for the weight of the quest, which I've never found to be a particular problem, but some people find tricky, yeah. would actually have a nice counterbalancing effect, and it's, it's actually designed with that in mind. Um, and uh, I believe it gives you from memory eight hours of gameplay, so seamless yeah. gameplay. They call it something like, they call it. I think that the phrase they use is "digitally enhanced power." <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't know what that means. Wow. <laughs> um, it's something. some phrasing like that, that I remember from their, their, you know, brief, but, um, I dunno what that means, but let's just say that you get a lot of energy and you get a nice stabilizing effect in a, um, a quite an elegant form factor. I think it's sort of asymmetric, like a triangular shape. Uh, but just, it looked nice, you know, um, in terms of taking the quest, maybe taking it out. If you're working away, you want to take it to a hotel room. You don't want all the cables. You don't, maybe you can't get to a cable, uh it's a nice solution i
0: quite like. definitely it. looks a lot better than just like zip tying a battery to the back of your headset which i see a lot of people on the the reddit forums which do we've all tried. yeah, yeah. Fact, i'm sure you've i'm sure
3: you've done a video of exactly how to zip tie in a professional <laughs> um and then uh I, is, is it called vr ears yeah. i'm 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 i may well have got that no, wrong because surely no one no one would use that as a product name oh <laughs> they did okay well vr ears um is a kind of off ear setup um there are other headsets and brands that actually do this out of the box, aren't they? Um, But the, the the notion is that you get a, a more involving, uh, I guess, kind of pseudo surround sound uh, experience, um, a higher fidelity than than the native Quest speakers. Mm. Um, and again, it's difficult for me to put too much more meat on the bone because I wasn't at CS, and there aren't any. Particularly thorough demos, certainly that I've come across. But it's nice, you know. In terms of one thing I do like is, uh, you know, the, the way that you can personalize Quest and you can uh, you can upgrade various aspects of it until you get the fit, yeah. the feel, and the user case uh, build that you desire. And this is this company are you know one of many that are just slowly upgrading that key piece of hardware. Yeah,
0: and I think um you know from from what I've I've heard from the community as well like it's addressing two of the biggest issues I think which is <laughs> this front heavy nature of the quest is counterbalancing and adding a battery so you've got more playtime and the audio which I think is one of the weakest parts of the quest and you know these these uh, VREs they look like little index sort of rip off design. They do. That's
3: it. It's the index I was referring yeah, to. Yeah. And if yeah. they
0: can pull that off and I think it's also going to be designed to work with Rift S and and PSVR as well so anything that's got a 35 mil jack, um, you're going to get that, hopefully, on par experience with the index. And a friend of the show, actually, um, Eric Hartley, he got to try them at CES and was very impressed. And these two products were particularly his highlights of the show. Um, oh, wow. So they're definitely worth keeping an eye on. And I think the is I believe, are going to be uh, a Kickstarter campaign, which will be kicking off within the next sort of uh, few weeks. Oh, wow. So uh, we'll keep you updated with that as well. But yeah,
1: Nice little uh, My, cool. nice little products. My only reaction to this, I would, I would have to say, is um, <laughs> especially with you two bald lads. Uh, I, yeah. I, 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 I saw this uh, being demoed by a few people from C- CES. The only thing that makes me uncomfortable is uh, they have a, a, a patent pending one year warranty uh, on a battery module uh that's again apparently been safety certified but still strapping a battery of that size just at the back of your head feels a little bit to me like asking for trouble but you do Um, it on the front though uh, the thing is you do right but with a device that was that has an engineering grade that is much higher than this because they're going to try and keep the price down so uh, that's my concern i said i was going to have one more concern to say and this is the device of i will be happy with it when a bigger name company comes out with that type what of device? You're,
3: what you're actually saying there, Zim, is that you're worried that there's going to be some kind of electromagnetic pulse which is going to make that glove we were talking about earlier snap all your fingers off. <laughs> that, that's the scenario that you're concerned
1: about. Well, not at all. Not at all. So this one, this one, this is just a battery popper. You know, batteries are uh, generally stable, but obviously we've seen a few bad apples over the last couple of years. Um, I can't wait for, for got, Zim to be high. It's a good point. I have
3: but after eight hours, anything worn—not that—they're not that saying that you have to wear the helmet for eight hours, but a battery is surely going to warm up, isn't it? And, and you're right, actually, Zim, That, that section of the
2: head—it
3: wouldn't feel—wouldn't feel nice, would it?
1: In the photos from Eric, uh, what's the what's the contact patch? In other words, is it plastic? Is there felt? What? What's touching your head? I'm looking for photos now to see if I can I, I don't know. answer yeah, that we question. Do, we, don't,
0: we don't know. I don't think.
2: But I love. It, although I the, do the, assume that they use some kind of material that is not like as conductive to heat. Yeah. In order to, uh, you know. Well, they
3: do make the VR shell, don't they? Um, yeah. And so they are. They're, they're. They're. Which is quite luxuriant in 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 terms of the materials used. So, um, they they certainly have a track record for creating. Um, elegant designs using sophisticated fabrics and plastics. So there's a chance yeah. that they will have considered the skin contact. Mm. thing. Yeah,
1: it just seemed, it, but I, but like what you said, Jason, I, it's funny because I don't think I've any heard anyone say that, that you can kind of accessorize the Quest to your liking. Mm. And that's one of Great. maybe, it's one of the things that out the gates, we probably complained that, okay, it's a bit front heavy or um, the battery life maybe isn't as long as you'd want it to be. Um, of course, you're going to have to take those concessions dealing with new hardware, um, and, and from early prototypes that we saw from Oculus with the kind of balance at the back, it, it still makes me wonder, why did they change? Mm-hmm. Why did they move away from that to then not having the battery back there? Um, I assume it's related to the fact that getting, getting essentially power either down the sidebands or down the top strap is a restrictor to the ergonomics ergonomic design of the headset and,
3: so, and or expensive in terms of production. There's could lots could of motivators on yeah. yeah. the, you know, for, for going down a certain design route. Although so, having said that, and I do think it's a very subjective thing. I don't, I, the Oculus quest uh, is probably the most comfortable helmet I've used. Mm. And yeah. I don't know if that's an unpopular opinion. I, I didn't particularly get on with the go. Um, and I, I, I truly can't remember what the, the vibe mm. feels like because I was so taken with it, I kind of didn't care. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, but it'd be interesting to hear what people in the chat say. I might, they might say, yeah, well, "What actually, are you kidding me? It's a horror! It's a horrible thing!"
2: Yeah, actually, in the chat, uh, they have already figured out what the material is uh, made of. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, what, what are we going oh, on about when, when oh, there's back, fact in front of our faces? Yeah, oh, bagdo Wonka says that it's made out of a uh, 100% asbestos. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I know. I know how I come off with my concerns, but that's Oh, fine. my God. Second
0: <laughs> Oh, my God. I want, nice and cozy I, I want him to be an advisor on the next episode of Black Mirror from Charlie Brooker, where he describes, <laughs> yeah. you know, a sore experience asbestos, where he's got asbestos, change. a battery exploding at the back of his head with his fingers being broken simultaneously oh. at the same time. <laughs> oh you, but you know,
1: God. if I was in that role on Black Mirror, then it would happen. So <laughs> I would welcome to see that in a Black Mirror episode. Yeah. So uh
0: there we go that's uh all the stuff that's uh we sort of highlighted from CES um, so if you've got any questions uh, for any of us or Jason while he's on the show, uh, feel free to ask ask away now and I'll sort of remind you of the show times. So just a reminder, this is a weekly VR, AR and MR talk show live streamed every Saturday on YouTube, Facebook and on Twitch. Uh, we use Restream.io to make all this possible, by the way. We couldn't do it without them uh, because it el- enables us to stream uh, the show to multiple platforms all at the same time seamlessly, which is a, a lot of help uh, to us. Uh, you can also catch this show uh, and watch it in VR with other VR enthusiasts using big screen TV um uh share a room with up to eight people watch it all together and discuss the show as it goes along which is a real popular way to watch the show uh, so go check that out if you haven't already uh the show goes live at 7 p.m in europe 6 p.m in the uk and 12 midday in central u.s also check out the audio version if you want to listen to it on your commute or, or as you're traveling around it's available on itunes soundcloud and on spotify and rowdy does a fantastic job to make sure it sounds magical to your ears um and I should also say, while Nathie's not here, to like and subscribe <laughs> to the channel, uh, because uh, I know he always chimes in for that as well. So if you've got any questions, now's the time.
1: So we had one earlier on uh, for Jason, which was uh, someone asked us, um, just as we were starting the show off, actually, how many um, or what headsets do you own? Obviously, you said you had a PSVR before. Um, I'm kind of interested to just expand that a little bit. So like, what headsets have you tried? Um, so that... I, I own the first generation. Have? Yeah, first, I, I was part of the Kickstarter for the first Oculus. Hmm. Um,
3: it's a good one in fact the, I've still got the, the case nice sturdy box is. I love that yeah. um, next for me would have been probably PSVR uh, or or maybe Vive or or maybe PSVR and then Vive I, I've already told you how I first experienced that again that was it was HCC that were launching it in fact uh, I didn't want to just keep going on about the gadget show but it was the gadget show live which was the, the big consumer expo that we used to do or, or, or sort of consumer show uh, that we used to do at the NEC. National Exhibition Centre yeah, in Birmingham. NEC. And uh, we were stood on the stage, and I remember them bringing it up. And and obviously, I had loads of things, like I was going to be flown in, like some kind of Peter Pan across the audience. And we had flying sort of um, r- robots, and we had dancers and synthesizers. And the vibe was just yet another thing. <laughs> and, and so you can imagine, then I was kind of cornered. They, they said, look, you need to try this before we... Uh, we just want to make sure it's working and we want to brief you on it. And I put it on and, you know, mind blown and no word of a lie. i got my credit card out on, st- I was on stage when I did it. I was supposed to be rehearsing. <laughs> and I went to the website because it was all, you know, you had to kind of get in before a certain time mm, to get exactly. the first, the first batch. And that was, uh, that was Vive. And then um, Oculus Go was the next one that I bought uh, mm. because I have all, again, I'm a dad, I'm a busy guy. And the faff around, uh, you know, my big rig PC um, with setting up base stations and all the rest of it. Um, while uh, we've already discussed how that can op- often make the final experience that little bit better, mm. it, it is nevertheless frustrating and time-consuming. So I was looking for the Quest. I went via yeah. Go, and then I I couldn't get Quest quick nice. enough. Um, the first game I played on Quest was the boxing game Creed. Is it Creed? Mm-hmm. Creed. I played that in uh, in a high street store and thought it was brilliant. But I have to say, now that the link has been released, weirdly, despite having said everything I've said, maybe it's just a, maybe it's just, it's like a recipe. Mm. If you've just got uh, maybe one or two ingredients, too many, it's overkill. But when you get it right, you can just make it and it's your go-to thing. It, it isn't difficult. I keep looking up here because I've got it hung up over my gaming rig. And... <laughs> it's easy i it might just be because of the base stations i don't know maybe the controllers are easier than the vibe i i don't know but I, I haven't found it difficult i plug it in i plug it out my daughter came and grabbed it earlier she played with it in the front room yeah. it's back on back in its home hung up i could just plug the cable back in assuming that she's actually applied well, the right cable <laughs> management I, technique
1: we' we're, we're we're all of the same opinion yeah. it, we yeah. we recently did a podcast wrapping up 2019 and um you know at one VR mm-hmm. headset of the year for all four of us which I never thought it would. Um I thought that people would have some sl- slightly different opinions but as you said for for the use cases for the low friction mm-hmm. um it's real yeah. bril- it's brilliant in particular with kids. I've got kids and I play with my Quest and they play on Quest as well. It's just it's fantastic for family fun. But but don't get me wrong I do also
3: if I wasn't in this, the stage of life I am at the moment I'd be straight up is it uh, PiMax I would say I get the name Yeah the, the PiMax yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd be straight there. And you know, right, you know, that it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be a pain. I know it. I don't care what you say. I know it's going to be tricky yeah. or certainly trickier than some of the other solutions that we've talked about, yeah. but come on, it promises 5k in Mike's case or 8k, oh. um, as announced at CS. And, and I know, uh, earlier on, you were on that Kickstarter, Mike, mm. um, so yeah, so despite what I've said, I want everyone listening to know that I am with you in terms of, you know, messing around because that final moment of tuning this up and getting this yeah. this driver updated and getting this little weird workaround and going onto the forum to find a file that should have been, you know, downloaded from yeah. the Blooming website. Yeah. You get to that moment and it opens out, what is it, 200 degrees of, like, what, 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 like what 170 is, I mean,
0: degrees field of view yeah something like that yeah. yeah there you go
3: and and you just go oh my god you know uh, and them. all you do you maybe play one you, you play a flight sim or a driving game twice and then that's it but it's worth it
1: <laughs> and, and I, I do love that have you had a chance to try a Valve Index yet? I'm no no that, I went
3: to yeah, me I'm I very tried close. side
1: by side I tried a Pimax 5k plus and uh, an Index side by side and I actually think the Index is the better experience of the two It's like um, a more consistent field of view. It's really good field of view. Brings the screen right in. I mean, talking like you feel it on your eyebrows, type of job. But it, it is amazing, and the audio with that is like oh, an engineering you're selling feat. Selling it to me, it's it's incredible. Selling it to me. If I was in your position, and you have a PC that can run it, Index is just like a it's an easy buy. I think yes, it's very, it's a very we, impressive. Experience.
0: What I'll do, Jason, I'll, is I'll bring it over. I'll bring it over. Yeah. So this
3: is what we've got to do. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna do something, aren't we? Where we kind of I don't know what we're gonna do a tit for tat thing, a swap, a kind of yeah. sparring <laughs> session where you bring this and I bring I, that. And I get um, to drive his Delorean, I, I and he gets good. to
0: try an Index. It seems like a fair deal for me. <laughs>
3: Yeah, we've got I've got all kinds of toys. I've got a Sinclair C five back. The problem there, is you won't which, I'll never leave you'll just, just <laughs> living in your garage then. That's but that's the idea. as long as I can play with your toys, dude. It's not it's not that tall,
2: you can store them yeah. somewhere. <laughs> uh, we yeah. we have another question sure. for Jason though. Uh, really, in the beginning of the podcast, we had uh El, El Bagdal Wonk. Jesus, that name! How does VR compare to the paintball dome you guys made on the gadget oh, show? I, I, yeah. So, this so what this
3: up.
0: guy? Yeah. Who? Sorry, sorry, Mike. Say I again. knew this was going to come up because it's iconic.
3: iconic. Yeah. Iconic. It is. It is one of the most <laughs> memorable items that we did. So for those of you listening that are not UK, look, this show, The Gadget Show I've been going on about it, is a show a bit like Top Gear for Gadgets that was very popular in Britain. And I was very fortunate to be one of the hosts for 12 years. And one of the things that we used to do is what we called builds, which back then, uh, I'm talking, I mean, I left three years ago, but this is, we started doing these builds at the beginning. So 15 years ago, you didn't have the content you have on YouTube now where people show you how to make a hoverboard out of a you know leaf blower or whatever, you didn't have that. And so it was really unusual what we were doing. And we would do these large scale builds, which as the show became popular and the budget increased became more and more exotic. And perhaps the most exotic one was the battlefield simulator. So not only did we get a unique build of battlefield from the developers, um, uh, we also got this thing called an igloo, which is a huge, surround screen a massive about i don't know how wide but what a really big wide um surround screen uh which was would be uh, you know would be much better done now in vr but then yeah. was a surround screen which was very visual though for television obviously and with this unique build i think what we did was we got some software um developed that uh, that got cues from the audio of the game as the soldiers were coming towards you shooting and set off paintball guns that were that were positioned around this 360-degree space. But wait, Zimmer gets better, dude. It gets better. <laughs> we had the world's biggest omnidirectional treadmill in the center.
1: Holy cow. Yeah, I've seen and that, it was yeah. it was
3: it was yeah, it was really wow. big and very effective. It was, you know, like a lot of these omnidirectional tribunals where we talked earlier about the need to get this right. It wasn't perfect, but it wasn't bad. And your movement did trigger the movement of your virtual character through space. And then to top it all off, we got we got not just a member of the SAS, the special air service or, uh, you know, the the special forces for the UK. It was Andy McNabb, who is like the poster boy for the SAS. And so I was there having coffee with this absolute legend that had been captured in Iraq and all the rest of it. And then we put him into this game. I went in and that was great. And I just looked like a, you know, a kind of bit of a numpty gamer. (laughs) And he went in and had the whole, you know, he had the whole thing going on. And it was amazing. It was incredible. Um, And what's interesting is that it was kind of before YouTube, Mm. I think. Yeah. certainly youtube would have been in its infancy if not uh it might not have even existed so it's actually the the youtube response to that item has come later mm-hmm. than the show yeah
0: yeah. Oh, nice. so that's,
3: yeah so i'm glad that the that, uh, the chap asked me that question yeah. thanks yeah. for asking me it was it was a it was a very sort of vr related experience <laughs> was, yeah. what was, was the question how it compared rowdy yeah
2: yeah to vr yeah yeah it uh-huh. was
3: so forgive me i'm very good at not answering the the exam question <laughs> um I would say it was. Yeah, the combination, the combination of some of those physical elements, the paintballs yeah. especially, the <laughs> omnidirectional treadmill and VR, would be spectacular. Yeah. But the what the thing that Igloo does really well is it's a really high fidelity, immersive environment. So, and and the light and the flashes happen behind you, and you sense them in a very real sense. And it's a big spectator. Mm. Uh, experience Mm, so people can people can walk into the space and they can experience it with you and see it so it's kind of but you know there's pluses and minuses Uh, but but yeah put it this way ever since then i've been wanting that omnidirectional treadmill in my garage not that it would
2: fit in here but (laughs) yeah that's awesome another question we had uh, from uh, trevor jones i have a question why did you guys ignore pimax um, we talked what? about Pimax
0: on last week's show, um, yep. the Artisan. Yes. Uh, that was pretty much the news. Uh, obviously, they showed their 8KX and 8K headsets as well. I think that there's five in total now had headsets in their lineup. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the fact that we'd covered it already, we just wanted to cover some other headsets. So if you want to listen to our Pimax coverage, True. maybe rewind to last uh, week's episode um, exactly. and get the details from there. So I think yep. that's about it then. Um, that was a good one. So yeah, we've talked about loads of stuff this week. We've talked about CES coverage. We've talked about Tesla suit, paintball, uh, HTC Vive dr- price drop, uh, PSVR five million sales. Loads of stuff been a pleasure to have jason bradbury on the show as a guest this week so for thank sure. you
3: thank you i have really enjoyed it thank guys. you very thank much, you much for joining me. us it's
0: been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show uh, we'll of course be back next week uh with another show uh, packed full of vr goodness so make sure you're subscribed and stay tuned for that until then have a great week in vr take care and bye-bye for now see you later bye-bye you guys